Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. So, Scott, I mean, are you surprised? At, I mean, obviously the interviews with the Christian Broadcasting Network, but it doesn't matter who it's with. I mean, it's a big thing to say that God, whether whatever God may be, he, she, it, but she refers to it as a he, wanted Donald Trump to become president. I mean, does that make you blanch at all, or are you okay with that? Well, I find it quite likely that supporters of any politician who wins believe that it was God's plan for that politician to win. So, no, I'm not surprised to hear uh, someone saying that. And I also think we have to remember uh, that none of us can know God's plan, but we all try to live up to, uh, you know, uh, what the Bible teaches us to do. And and we're not perfect people and we're not uh, ever going to be perfect. And neither is Donald Trump. And he has not been a perfect person and he's not a perfect Christian. But that does not mean that God doesn't use imperfect vessels to achieve outcomes, and in this particular uh, presidency's case, he has achieved many outcomes. But you really, you really, you're, you're really okay uh, with that? that like, the, the, are you really okay with that? I, mean, I thought we live in a democracy, right? The will of the people, and now you're saying no, it's the will of God. I don't know. There's something about it that seems quite jarring to me, frankly. Whatever you believe about God, well, I, I, I certainly believe in our democracy, and I believe in the will of the people. But if you think that, uh, if you don't believe in the will of God, I happen to believe in the will of God, and that His will will be done on this earth, whether we like it or not. <laughs> so, and you think you know that what? God Actually, cares who's president of the United States? I, I, I'm not trying to get into some like broad yeah. existential conversation, but I mean the whole thing. Uh, you know, look, I, I understand the interview was with the Christian Broadcasting Network, so that's why God came up to begin with, Maria. To be fair, right? right? I mean, right. that's why the question was asked. Um, sure. Okay. So, so I think that's important to note. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 6th of February, year of our Lord, 2019, and that's CNN, starting our show off with bashing Christians. We'll end the show with Democrats unable to stand up for the concept that 81% of Americans believe that you shouldn't abort live babies. That's the State of the Union. But we got a good show. We're going to go over the Super Bowl. I uh, got some online stuff. It's pretty funny. Northam Part 2 with Fairfax, which shows the media's bias is as bright as the sun. I'm telling you what. His accusers know Blazy Ford, I'll tell you that much, because WAPO ain't playing. Magnetic North is moving, and that's going to be in our military corner because we've covered it before, but my God, it's kind of scary. 30 miles a year. Kind of freaked me out. New social media nuggets. And then the State of the Union's on the back side of this podcast because it happened last night. Mostly audio, couple comments. Um, gonna let the dust settle. By Sunday's podcast, we'll have much better material. As I do before going to Fire Effect, I always like to cover some weird stuff off the bat. Ice arrest rapper Twenty One Savage, and the reason why I'm covering this because it just it's Vanilla Ice all over again. Dude's from UK, but he said he was from the rough streets of Atlanta. I'm surprised this didn't hit and become huge. Additionally, this week, Axios, somebody gave Axios the president's schedule, and it was released online. I've been in a Twitter war with about 100 people. Uh, My tweet's been retweeted a bunch. Because if this was Obama, and you released that, it would be racist, it would be uh, disrespectful to the office of the President of the United States, it would be endangering the office of the President of the United States, yada, yada, yada. They even did how Trump's schedule compares to past presidents. Yeah. So, so disrespectful. These people literally 
have no integrity. There's such a double-sided world that we have right now, and, and it's glaring. And I think, as we will see in the State of the Union, with the two news agencies, surprisingly one of them, CNN, that had the temerity to release their polling, independents are seeing it. They're, they're seeing, literally, how fucked up things are. This week, a Border Patrol agent was killed. Uh, her name was Donna Ross. She was 49, was helping state police near Ayers Interstate 20 in Albany. Abilene, I'm sorry. And uh, she was killed, so peace be with her family. Border agents reportedly discover 60-foot tunnel in Mexico at southern border. Another tunnel. Media, ignore. Connecticut State Representative Jillian Gilchrist. I've introduced HB 5700, a 50% tax increase on ammunition. It doesn't apply to military and law enforcement. I'm hearing pushback about the need to protect one's home, but how much ammunition does really anyone need? She did a little voice thing. I'm not going to play it, but, I, you know, I'll go with the answers. I need none of your business amount of ammo. How much do I need? As much as I freaking want. You're the side with the mob. Screw you. We'll just make some. Which was kind of cute because that's, they don't even know people make their own ammo. And to start our State of the Union coverage, I, I, I got to cover this kid. Now, remember, the left brings illegal immigrants. They brought an illegal immigrant that worked for Trump. I mean, they're just so fucking petty. They, they don't bring American heroes. They bring people that aren't even citizens. So this kid with the last name of Trump was brought for bullying by the president. And this is how CNN covered it. Big night tomorrow night, State of the Union. The guests who will sit with the First Lady include a sixth grader from Delaware who has been bullied. Now, by now, we should all know about the scourge of bullying. Somewhere between a third to a quarter of kids in America say they've been bullied at school. Trump's own Health and Human Services identifies being gay or disabled as those most at risk. The First Lady, though, has made bullying a cause, as you know. So the person she's inviting is Joshua Trump, sixth grader, being bullied at school because of his last name, Trump. No relation. Let's bring in D. Lemon. I hate bullies. You hate bullies. Uh, you got to feel for this kid. Uh, my concern, though, about tomorrow night is that he's going to be used as a political pawn. That of all the different kinds of bullying that goes on, they're highlighting somebody giving Trump a hard time. Yeah. Well, the first lady invited him, and I have to, I think it's a good thing that she invited him. I think you'll agree with that. Um, and no, listen, my last name is Lemon, Chris. Come on. Do you think I, I got it in elementary school, junior high school, high school, and then I just kind of made it work for me. I still get it now, you know. So I understand it, and no one likes to be bullied, and I say good on the first lady for inviting him. But I also say the political pawn thing, um, you know, I don't know. I hope that I hope that they're not using it for political expediency. No, I'm just worried about the. Yes, I'm I, worried about the kid because he's got enough trouble. You know, his family's letting him go out going. there, hopefully to empower him, give him some confidence in himself. And now, if he becomes representative of the president, you don't yeah. want to put that on anybody, that's, uh, let alone this kid. That's where I was going. If they really don't want to draw attention to his last name and keep him from being bullied, maybe it's not the best thing for him to go to the yeah. state of the union and get all of this press. 
So the article I got this from, it's basically saying, you know, hey, this is parents showing their true colors because they're talking about Trump and the kids are getting it. Mark Dice, liberals are bullying another kid on Twitter. This time it's Joshua Trump. No relation to president. Wow, they're scum. The Holy Spirit. Joshua Trump will be at the State of the Union because he was mocked for his name. Joining him will be Pocahontas, little Marco, and they say, oh, look at Trump. He did it. It's his fault. Ted M. Brown, Josh Trump is a sixth grade boy who claims he's been bullied at school for having the last name Trump. I personally not see where he is bullied, but I do see a very depressed little boy who has very low self-esteem because of his last name, and they're mislabeling it bullying. These are adults. It goes on and on. It It's, you know, yeah. he's a piece of shit because his last name's Trump. And I'm sure some way we can construe that he is literally related to the president. So we have every right to say he's a piece of shit, just like, you know, Baron. Isn't this Baron Trump? Yeah, we can dog him too. Ryan Strzok came out with some new poll numbers. And this is all about the next wave of intersectionality candidates. Uh, Biden, 29%. Sanders, 16 Harris, 11 Warren, 8 Oroke, 7 Bloomberg, 4 Brown, 4 Klobuchar, 2 A bunch of 1s. Brown, Castro, Gabbard, Gillibrand, Hickelooper, Holder, Yang, Delaney, Inslee, McAuliffe, other undecided 9. Over 50-year-old. Biden, Harris, Warren, O'Rourke, Sanders, and Booker. Biden's way ahead. Under 50, Sanders, Biden, Harris, Warren, O'Rourke. By gender, men, Biden, 35. Sanders, Booker, Warren, Harris, O'Rourke, way off the pace. Women, Biden, Sanders, Harris, Warren only gets an 8%. By race, Whites, Biden, Sanders, Harris, Warren. By non-whites, Biden, Sanders, O'Rourke, Harris, way off, but Biden's still way ahead. By whites, by college education, Biden and Harris, Warren, Sanders, whites without college, Biden, Sanders, Harris, and Warren. So that's, you know, pretty much what we said all along. Even the educated ones that Chuck Todd respects. Pocahontas can't break through and the girl that fucked Brown ain't making it. So, um, we'll see how that pans out. I think with the media's help, uh, Kamala is going to get a leg up again because they, they don't want a white person. You know, as I saw on a show the other day, white liberals are more crazy than black liberals because they have all that shame because they're white, so they go into overdrive. And as we go into Fire and Perfect, I gotta play, as I always do, how the media act with Obama's State of the Union. And then we'll go into our Fire for Perfect bumper, and on the other side... NFL's 100 ad, which is done by Peter Berg, is the greatest thing I've ever seen. A pro-flag ad that was rejected again by CBS, second Super Bowl in the air. You know, stand up, show respect, nobody's going to play it. But if somebody would have done Kaepernick's a God and fuck the flag and police, they'd play that damn commercial. 
A handmade one again. Yeah. 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 And then Hyundai, which offended all you vegan and PETA people because they mocked, (laughs) just mocked you. And it was good. What will Republicans do with President Obama's olive branch? He's reaching out to the GOP yet again, despite a year of pushbacks and criticisms. Is he being naive or crazy like a fox? A sign of reconciliation, a gesture of goodwill, a symbol for a second chance. So if the president thought that meant Republicans would start jumping on board his boat... He thought wrong. They've taken his olive branch and are now using it to hit back against his agenda. Yesterday alone, Republicans voted no on two Obama proposals. And in many ways, you felt this speech tonight was almost downright Reagan-esque. There have been some comparisons made in recent days about how this could be his Reagan moment. Do you think it was in any way? He kept talking about winning the future, and that was always a big theme about Reagan. He was clearly striking rhetorical notes that reminded me of Mr. Reagan. I think he was trying to invoke the optimism, the can-do spirit that brings to mind Ronald Reagan in these settings. Uh, Full of sunny optimism, very Reagan-esque, on and on about American exceptionalism in many, many instances, and full of Kennedy-esque encouragement to break a new frontier. That Sputnik moment was remarkable. If presidential leadership were only about giving speeches, the jackhammers would already be at work on Mount Rushmore. In many, many ways, this is one of the most conservative speeches that a Democratic president has given since, I think, the middle of of Bill Clinton's time. to the 100th season of the National Football League. Tonight is not about the league. What's up, Juju? It's about football. It's about the players, the fans, the moments, and everything else that makes you say, oh boy. No can do, cowboy. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Come on, TG. Damn, B. Y'all know I have more yards than they do. You still got it. Yeah, that hurt. This is a great party. Get out there, old man. Obese. Hey, 
Oh, he's open! Rush? Can I have one, please? You want this? Yeah. Come and get it. Don't ask if your loyalty is crazy. Ask if your loyalty is crazy enough. When they question you running towards danger for those who are unable or unwilling. When they laugh at the thought of you willingly sacrificing your life for someone you may never know. Stay that way. Some people think you're crazy being loyal, defending the Constitution, standing for the flag. Then I guess I'm crazy. Then I guess I'm crazy. Then I guess I'm crazy. And for those who kneel, they fail to understand that they can kneel and that they can protest, that they can despise what I stand for, even hate the truth that I speak. But they can only do that because I am crazy enough. It's morning again in America. Today, more women will go to work than ever before in our country's history. This year, dozens of children will be born to happy and healthy families. It's morning again. It's morning again. It's morning again. Wake up, America. Morning's over. Folks, what floor? Oh, we're car shopping. Ah, you're going down. Way down. This floor, root canal. Oh, this is bad. This stopped jury duty. Remember, innocent until proven. Well, he did it, right? We all agree he did it. Okay, six hour flight, middle seat. <laughs> Who's got vitamin C? This floor, the tongue. Your body's changing. My body changed. Even grandma's body. Vegan dinner party, is that even a thing? We're having beet loaves, Sergio's specialty. Why, thank you. Yay! Car shopping, off you go. No, sorry, we're getting a Hyundai. Yeah, we used Shopper Assurance. It was really easy. Hyundai, going up. Hyundai Shopper Assurance. Transparent pricing, streamlined purchase, a three-day worry-free exchange, and test drives that come to you. Not so fast, Captain Colin, back it up. Thank you. It's car shopping made better. So basically, in Hyundai's new commercial, bellhop Jason Bateman ushers an elevator full of people to various less than desirable scenarios, such as jury duty, root canal treatments, scorning the middle seat of a long flight. It all leads to the message that buying a car is a real chore, but not when you use Hyundai's app. Of course, that isn't why PETA and theoretically a few vegans felt attack. That would be absurd. Their gripe is with inclusion of the vegan dinner party as one of the many floors Bateman stops at, remarking, is that even a thing? A woman tries to serve some beet loaf. (laughs) I think it's pretty funny because come on, man. You guys make tofu turkeys. What do you expect? Then the ratings, uh, so the Nielsen, the big game, drew 44.9 overnight. That represents the worst early Super Bowl ratings since 2009 clash. Um, it could be just that it was a very boring game, uh, unless you're into football and you like defense. 
Mm-mm. That game wasn't for you. On Twitter, there were gifts. There was SpongeBob shit. There was a bunch of crazy. Um, some of the tweets I made for each other Super Bowl terrible game match with stunning and unimaginative ads of five million a pop. Uh, the game is just terrible as I hoped it would be. So far, super boring. Three and zero, second lowest combined first half score since Super Bowl nine. Uh, that was the most surprisingly terrible half of football I can ever remember. Mike Greenberg. He was just trying to get out there, but a lot of people didn't like it. I won't read the tweets. I mean, there's a lot of stupid shit. The the one that cracked me up though was what broke Monday, which was of course yesterday, and somehow the NFL Network fucked up and played a Super Bowl winning video. Like, the Patriots have won their sixth Super Bowl, and it broke out. I thought it was bullshit. Then I found it. Okay, today's date is February 1st. Why is this commercial here right now? With the official Super Bowl trophy collection. Available now at NFLShop.com. Get your commemorative men's and women's Super Bowl 53 championship t-shirts. Jacket. An official hat. The same ones the players wear on the field as they hoist the Vince Lombardi trophy. Don't miss out. Shop now and get free shipping. NFLShop.com. Then mixed in was, I thought, pretty frickin' funny. Wendy's, Moon Pie, Pop-Tarts. I, I don't know why I find it funny when, you know, corporation Twitters do this shit, but I just think it's funny. Uh, Wendy's, it's getting exciting now. Narrator, it wasn't. Then Moon Pie, it's like soccer, but stronger. Wendy's, honestly. And then Pop-Tarts actually has a whole combo with Wendy's. Would you like to entertain me, Wendy's? I'm bored. Got a toaster if you want to hang. Oh, yeah, I'm down for some toast in action. What time would you like to get together? Ready to bail on this party. Meeting 20, Pop-Tarts. Oh, yeah, I'm ready, too. Where should I meet you? Wendy's, my place, work. We're still open for a few hours. Got to del- deliver the burgers and whatnot. <laughs> Pop-Tarts. Yeah, that's great. Do you think there's some Frosties over there we can have? I'm super thirsty from this boring game. Little Deb- Debbie's came in. Thank you for giving voice to our feelings. Insomnia Cookie came in. I felt this, man. I felt this. But the tweet of the evening was Mercedes-Benz USA, which deleted it. If this game weren't in my stadium, I would have driven away by now. (laughs) That's fucking funny. I'm not going to go with the SpongeBob. SpongeBob was a huge thing. Everybody got all fucking pissed off. And then there were weird shit. Um, Scientology had an ad it's a force more powerful than armies it has vanquished ignorance and intolerance and expanded our horizons it has driven the greatest minds in history to take us further to understanding the simple truths that bind us all They're just fucking weird, man. That's just just weird. So, 
You know the left's got to ruin everything. So first we start with Brian Krasenstein. While many of you are likely yelling, go Patriots and go Rams, I'm yelling, go Robert Mueller and the rule of law. Benny. How right-wing can the Patriots get? They have a play called Reagan. I mean, you run to the right. No joke. Watch. And they did. I'm not going to play it. I actually got the soundbite. They did say Reagan, and it was a run to the right. And, of course, that I could read a thousand tweets about how fucked up they are. But I'll just read the articles. Tom Brady's New England Patriots are team mega, whether they like it or not. We talked about it last one. We didn't read it. This past week, Super Bowl-bound New England Patriots held a rally for their sweatiest, sweatiest fans at Gillette Stadium. Brady gave a speech and ended unnervingly. Brady leads a, we're still here chant. We're still here. Obviously, Brady's referring to his aging, decrepit, cheating-ass squad's progression to the big game. But imagine you don't know anything about football or who Tom Brady was or anything like that. You would think... That you were watching some square-jawed grifter throwing red meat to the hogs at an alt-right rally, screaming at the libs who thought Nancy Pelosi and her gender warriors were going gonna keep decent American folks from being there. Of course, even if you do know stuff about Brady, you may still think he's on his way to pursuing his line of grifting. He flashed a red mega hat an accoutrement that is gaining more and more traction as a symbol of white nationalism in America in his locker back in the primary days. He wasn't the only one. Patriots coach Belichick wrote a goddamn letter to Trump right before the end of the campaign and basically mounted to his endorsement. And Pat's owner Robert Kraft is also his pal and was even shouted out at Trump's pre-inauguration dinner in D.C. for his most deep-pocketed donors. The whole institution of Boston sports from root to stem is tinged with sort of racism that brought Trump into office. The Boston Red Sox were the last MLB team to disintegrate more than a decade after Jackie Robinson entered desegregate, I'm sorry. Um, more than a decade after Jackie Robinson entered the league. The Sox first owner, Tom Yawkey, was an infamous racist whose speech was peppered with racial slurs. Larry Bird became a symbol of white resentment during his time in the NBA. His jersey appears as a symbol of white entitlement to black spaces and Spike Lee's do the right thing. His large teammate, Kevin McHale, was spotted at a Trump rally during the election. And hey, it's not like their fans are cool guys either. Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool Sports, a toxic masculinity humping out post for world's worst people is a Boston sports fan. A Red Sox fan yelled a racial slur and threw a bag of peanuts at Adam Jones just a mere two seasons ago. Yankees pitcher CC Sabathia told ESPN, I've been called the N-word in Boston. Bill Russell, the legendary Celtics, blah, blah, shut the fuck up, let's move on. Remember that scumbag team busted in D.C. by his racist-ass private school to protest a woman's right to choose, smirking at Native American military veteran while wearing the dumb little red hat and his schoolmates stood around and did tomahawk chops? Remember how first anyone saw that was happening for what it was and tied the little shits being racist and disrespectful until this kid's wealthy parent hired a PR firm to run interference and coach him up to do anything interview? Even if he was saying the right thing on paper, he still seemed like a low-boil psychopath. The people I'm sitting here roasting for their support of Trump have tried to run the same playbook. Brady backed off a little lot when his wife clearly told him to, said that he didn't actually have political opinions at all, and really he was a positive person and that Trump was just his friend he supported because he's always supported his friend, even if he didn't think it would be cool if he won. I'm not actually with him, he's just my friend and someone even more unnerving in its way because that kind of weirdo do you have to be to be friends with Trump? Is he a fun guy to hang out with? 
Is Brady really so vacant that he hangs out with the doddering fool for access on golf courses? If Brady really does want to satisfy the Daniel Glackless of the world, wouldn't he find it as hard to distance himself from the president everyone hates? But he doesn't. Presumably because he sees nothing wrong with it because his worldview lines up with that of a racist president. Kraft insists he doesn't agree with Trump's rhetoric on Kaepernick, but it's not of it to cast the man aside. Belichick won't even deny dine to answer questions on that matter because he is a robotic psychopath that only thinks and talks about football. Look, it doesn't matter if the Patriots like it or not. They are the official team of America, white nationalism. The mega boys on the field, you can't implicitly or explicitly support Trump, who reads speeches written by Stephen Miller as a matter of course, play in a market where sporting culture is renowned for its racism, have a decade-plus organizational obsession with undersized white receivers, and he called no shit the Patriots without getting the vile Fox News soup that poisoned half the country on your shirt. Try to put on a bib of distancing yourself, deflecting questions, telling her when your wife told you to stop talking about it. That shit isn't going to work. You're a mega kid. It's on you forever. It stalks and haunts you. When you root for the Patriots, you're associating yourself with a virulent and revolving strain of politics that seeks to make America great again, which is to say white European English speaking. And look, I understand that you've been rooting for Boston teams your whole life. Fandom's a hard drug to quit. But please look at yourself. Look at who these guys put out for and reconsider. Think about if you would want to find yourself in a crowdy a crowd of sweaty white men chanting, we're still here, while a Trump supporter egged you on. Are you 100% sure you're comfortable with that? That was the end of the article. Responses. This is passes for journalism on the Daily Beast. Who at the Daily Beast would let this appear? The media truly doesn't understand how it continues to undermine itself. But why do more and more normal Americans dislike the hardworking, selfless, daring firefighters of democracy known as journalists? They ask without irony. Why does everyone hate us? This. This. They didn't write this for Northam. They wrote this for the Patriots. Then another article. Patriots win triggers lefty writer worst of America all over again. Lefty sports writer Drew Magari composed a contemptuous piece skewering all the terror people who are happy today. Fuck them, fuck the Patriots, and fuck all the terrible people right off the side of the earth. The worst people win again is positively unhinged. The Tourette's filled against the athletes, coaches, and staff of the Patriots. On QB, Tom Brady... He is happy because he gets to frame himself as an underdog who overcame impossible odds despite being a wealthy, handsome, world-class athlete who has unrivaled accomplishment and is married as an even wealthier supermodel. His envy is palatable throughout, including sneering at Belichick, who he envisions as happy this morning, which is probably unbearable for him. I bet he's enjoying his Belgian waffle before his game frown on and heading back to his precious Tate mines for another season. Worse for the Pats, unforgivable really, is that Brady, Belichick, and Bob Kraft don't share Magary's political views. In fact, they may like Trump. They're all happy. President's happy. Begins to treat his favorite pet title team to a buffet of White Castle and brag online about how he played golf with 60% of them. It goes on. I'm not reading it. It's just, I'm not reading it. This is the left. Whatever they don't understand, they demean. 
Most of the people who write these articles are little pussies that don't like pussy, usually gay or bi, manly things like soldiers, firefighters, cops, football players. Oh, I can never be that, so I must hate that. And the simple fact that we have all these articles that the Patriots are a piece of shit because they don't think like you. They support the president. That's how far the left's gone. You know, I'm going to bash a lot of abortion on the show because they're just so goddamn extreme. Won't even stand up for a bill. They blocked a bill. I mean, these are horrible people. But that's not why I hate them. That's pandering for votes. They believe if they actually do the right thing that 81% of the country thinks and block live birth abortion, they'll lose voters. They need their base, the crazies, to fucking vote for them. The crazies that are now way more crazier than any religious right person you could ever point at. They're literally crazy. I hate them because they hate everybody that doesn't think like them. They're the most un-American motherfuckers we've ever had. This class of progressives are the most un-American people ever. All they say is everybody's racist because you don't agree with me. Everybody's sexist because you don't agree with me. Everybody's a homophobe, a transphobe. Insert some demeaning thing because they can't win the argument. They don't have an argument. They're extremists. So let's bash them. But that didn't stop, mind you, Washington Post to put out this stupid fucking ad. we go off to war, when we exercise our rights, when we soar to our greatest heights, when we mourn and pray, when our neighbors are at risk, when our nation is threatened, there's someone to gather the facts to bring you the story no matter the cost because knowing empowers us knowing helps us decide knowing keeps us free I wanted to ask both of you as veteran journalists and especially Ruth from the Washington Post. The Washington Post took the very unusual step of sponsoring a Super Bowl ad last night. That's a very high dollar thing for the Washington Post to do. That's a powerful statement to that large Super Bowl audience. I, I was so proud that we were able to do that and I was so proud to be a part of it and I just want to say that this was not um, advertising the Washington Post um, though at the end our slogan democracy dies in darkness um, appeared there as did our name the Washington Post so this ad which is once again the self and dry uh, you know just look at us we're so awesome we're the firefighters like I said last podcast you don't have to do that if you're actually the firefighter You are the people that start the fire, then pretend you weren't there, and then you run up to the fire and go, oh, there's a fire! Let's report about it. That's what you do. You're a pyro. 
Washington Post ripped for estimated 10 million Super Bowl ads, stressing the importance of journalism. People just dogged it, thought it was stupid. There's talk that they literally did it only because Bezos got caught fucking up. Guess he had a mistress or some shit. I don't know. It was fucking stupid. New York Times, Super Bowl wine, not enough to talk of Kaepernick. It's systematic oppression. That was a whole article. If the league wins its case, supporters of Kaepernick may doubt the outcome. A string of lesser quarterbacks statistically have found James. Yeah, they don't want to deal with this bullshit. It's not racism. It's business. We talked about it. It's just business. If you're an ass, you do more off the field than on the field. Why would I pay you millions? And once again, for the 10,000th time, he was offered a contract. San Francisco was going to pay him. It was a pay cut. He didn't want it. He walked. His call. Super Bowl Nation Herald Super Social Justice Bowl. Kaepernick's everywhere. Uh, I'm not. I'm not reading this. No. I'm, no. No. Amber Tamblin. Hi there. While you're enjoying this mediocre Maroon 5 halftime, please remember a football legend was blacklisted for his entire sport for merely putting his knee on the ground in a protest of black people being murdered. Enjoy your pop music. Somebody tweeted just what I said. He turned down $7 million a year because he wanted $9 million. So I guess he's not really this legend. They were so invested in fucking up the Super Bowl. So invested. They tried, Don Lemon tried to shame Gladys Knight for singing the national anthem. And she rebutted him. And that's how we'll segue out and go straight into Northam. But Trump, GOP worse, GOP no morals. The timing with the abortion and all. Is this too PC, Andrea Mitchell says. Are you fucking shitting me? Blackface, okie dokie, I guess. And the next spin for Dem Scandals. Well, you know those Covington motherfuckers. His name is Mark Garagos. He spoke to NBC about artists who are agreeing to. Listen to this. They do take a lot of heat, and I think rightfully so. The idea that you're going to basically cross a picket line, um, because that's what they're doing, they're crossing an intellectual picket line, they're saying to themselves, I care more about my career than I do about whether what I'm doing is right. Uh, That's taking the short money, so to speak. How do you respond to that? About what they're thinking? Yeah. People are going to have their opinions, you know, about whatever. And all I can deal with, all I can deal with right now is what my heart says, okay? Um, uh, I believe in fairness. I believe in truth. I believe in all of those things. And um, as far as this is concerned, I grew up with the, the national anthem we used to sing it in school before mm-hmm. school started. We used to say prayers in school before school started. And we just don't have that anymore. And I, I'm, just, I'm just hoping that it will be about our country and how we treat each other and, and being uh, the great country that we are. Mm-hmm. Do you, I don't know if you remember the controversy so. during the um, 
the inauguration when Chrisette Michelle sang at the inauguration. And I just read an article in the New York Times how she basically lost her career for doing so. You have a much longer um, history and resume, right, and uh, a legend in this business. Is that a concern for you at all, given the controversy surrounding this? You know what? Nothing good comes easy. And I would hope that they will understand, as I do, um, that we have a better way to do this than to be all angry and why is he doing this or why is she doing that, you know. It's to, just for me, it's just for me about respect for the, I mean, if we just start denying the anthem, there's so many people that have died for our country and there's so many people in my family that are still part of, of, of you know, just standing for the country. They're in the services and that kind of thing. And just to just to not say that, if you really listen to the lyric of the of, of the beginning, mm -hmm. you'll understand that we have fought hard for a long time, and not just in wars. Yeah, you know, I mean, I have protested myself. <laughs> when did blackface become a thing again? Why, why does it seem as if blackface <laughs> is all of a sudden? front and center in, in America again. What's happening? I, I think it has something to do with what Donald Trump has unleashed. Uh, it has something to do with what's uh, the reservoir that's underneath our politics that can always be activated at any moment. So it's not like something's new, something new has happened. It's always underneath. It's the undertow. You know, young children of color are dealing with kids saying build the wall. And so I agree with Professor Cloud. Donald Trump has normalized this overt display of racism. And Tom Nichols, you uh, wrote an op-ed in the in the USA Today where uh, you were saying, "Sorry, uh, or the Washington Post, I'm sorry, where you, where you said, uh, sorry, Republicans, you can't call Northam out for racism and give Trump a free pass. I, I must say, I there were many times I had to go off of Twitter this weekend. I just, the hypocrisy actually for Trump Republicans, uh, even, even after looking at it and dealing with it and watch their hypocrisy over free trade watch their hypocrisy over nato watch their hypocrisy over their former positions on holding russia in check watch their hypocrisy on big spending watch their hypocrisy on big deficits i've watched their hypocrisy on on the uh, on the federal debt but now i must say their hip hypocrisy on the issue of race after we go from the muslim ban to the Hispanic doctor, to the Gold Star mother, to Charlottesville, through all of the things Donald Trump has done. Seriously, these Trump Republicans, seriously, are going to lecture anybody on being insensitive on the issue of race? Everybody's got a right to express an opinion. Not everybody has a right to be taken seriously. Um, you know, the, the thing that really was striking about Republicans uh, on the Northam thing is that they were issuing these kinds of statements as though nothing had ever happened up until yesterday. Right. Uh, as though somehow, uh, you know, we're all like the guy in that movie who can't form new memories. That every time we go to sleep, you know, we wake up and we start all over again as if nothing Momentum. had ever yeah, happened. Exactly. You know, and and uh, it's 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 insulting. I mean, it goes beyond uh, hypocrisy. It's insulting. It says to the to the listener, um, you don't really have any firm memories. You can't draw connections from one day to the next. So we're just going to say this and jump on this bandwagon and and you'll totally get it because you're so dumb you can't remember a thing
Um, wow. It really was <laughs> astonishing, and and that was what made me write the piece because um, you know nobody's hands are clean on race in this country. I mean, you know, there there's a long history here, and I don't think anybody gets a corner on on vice or virtue. But for Republicans right. in the past two years to put up with the things they've put up with, and then try to pivot at the last minute and have this newfound racial <clears throat> sensitivity was was really appalling. I mean, it was just appalling. I don't know Ralph Northam. I believe he's a decent person, but I think he has to resign. I don't see... He just can't be effective as a governor after something like this. And the interesting thing about this, this is there's some parallels between this and Al Franken, who's a very decent, smart senator. The ground is shifted under people's feet. People are not going to put up with this kind of stuff anymore. And so... Maybe they would have put up with it in the past, but they're not going to put up with it now. I noticed you retweeted uh, Obama-era health care administrator, uh, administrator Andy Slavitt. He wrote this on Twitter. He said, if you've worn blackface or you've repeatedly said President Obama was born in Africa, you should resign. The, the point here is clear. It's a remark about President Trump's own racist history. Right. Do you see a double standard at play, Howard? Oh, sure there is. They're on the Republicans. I mean, they, you know, they have no morals at all. I mean, you know, the Republicans are happy to ask Ralph Northam to resign. They have a much worse guy who's heading, heading their party. It's ridiculous. I mean, this is not, this is not so, very similar to the Kavanaugh, this is very similar to the Kavanaugh appointment who got appointed uh, with all, oh, nothing but Republican votes. They don't care about this kind of stuff because their base doesn't care about this kind of stuff. I think if there was a photo of Kavanaugh looking like this, it would have been different. Uh, but, but I'll leave that uh, at that. It might have Jack, been. You, might have been. And then lastly, this is an election year in Virginia. Every year is. Um, and the fact is, the entire House and Senate is on the ballot in Virginia. He is the fundraiser in chief as well. How's he going to raise money for candidates who are going to be on the ballot this year? And Democrats are that close to taking back the House and Senate. So, look, I think Democrats are deeply concerned in the state and beyond the state, John. They're even more concerned in part because they want to have clean hands when it comes to this president, right. whether it's on gender or race. Al Franken found that out, certainly, and that they want to be able to sort of prosecute the case against Trump without the Trump folks saying hypocrite, hypocrite. Right. Timing it, is everything. So it's zero tolerance. Yeah, timing yes. is everything in politics. There may have been a time, especially in this uh, Michael Jackson episode, if he had disclosed it himself in some previous campaign, maybe you can get through it. But you mentioned the state politics issues. The, the Democrats think they can make important gains in the legislature, right. uh, the business part of being governor. Then there's the national moment. Trump in the White House, many Democrats call him a racist. Uh, this historically diverse Democratic field yep. for president That's coming right. out of the 2018 midterm was a pretty, pretty firm yeah. No to one's going to defend him, but right. I, just watch for this. I can almost guarantee that the topic of is something that happened 35 years ago disqualifying um, as we take into context. It, it, it's always a matter of case-by-case of -case basis, of course, but expect 2020 candidates to get asked questions like this, especially as we talk about re-enfranchising felons, giving felons the right to vote again. That's a great point. I mean, it shouldn't necessarily be disqualifying, but how you handle it, how you, how you handle it, and this was not well played. Uh, <coughs> at a minimum, we'll watch this play out throughout the day. We'll see if the governor has anything else to say today. He was is there a potential blowback here? A, a risk of appearing too politically correct, something that may turn off attempts to woo the Trump voters, the Trump Democrats back in. Ooh, I think that the, the, the actual real world risk seems to me to be um, 
whether there's we're moving with just way too much rapidity when there is a little bit a little bit of factual development to figure out here in other and I, I don't want anybody to get too alarmed by what I'm saying in other words um, he first admitted or said that it was him and apologized that, and apologized message. then he came out with this other explanation is there any reason whatsoever to credit this other explanation it has not emerged yet but so maybe there is some risk in being precipitous I do not see the risk of blowback I see a little risk of um, not make not letting the process play itself out to make sure we're absolutely being fair to the governor that's the only risk I uh, Bakari what do you make of, of this of the Democratic leader in the state Senate essentially defending the governor do you think the governor should resign no question I mean I, I think unequivocally uh, Democrats have to stand up and call for his re resignation. I mean, I mean, damn, Anderson, it's exasperating. It's exhausting. Can people just simply not be racist? I mean, he, he's a 25-year-old right. man in blackface or in a KKK outfit. I mean, neither one of those are acceptable. Um, you know, the KKK, all they did was terrorize, lynch, brutalize many African-Americans throughout the South. You don't get a pass for that. And just a few months ago, I was sitting on probably with Ken Cuccinelli talking about Kavanaugh and his yearbooks and the things that he did then that were unacceptable. Right. We were talking about the Covington Catholic kids and their behavior being appalling and unacceptable and the way they interacted with the Native American um, at the Lincoln Memorial. And so for Democrats, for any Democrat who's saying out of one side of their mouth that he was a child, I mean, I, I am tired of that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's tough. Because simply, I mean, we, we have no place in this country for racism and bigotry and xenophobia and all those things that it represents. And, you know, for someone who's a grown man to display that, I mean, yeah, you can be sorry. You can apologize. You can live your life and make sure uh, that, that people understand your point of view from henceforth forward. However, you cannot be the leader of a state like Virginia with its past history uh, with those issues in your past. I mean, I, I, we can make light of the fact that the Oppo research people from the Gillespie campaign and the Perriello campaign need to never have a job again. But the fact is, this, this lapse in judgment is it's exhausting. I mean, we have racial issues. I can't even criticize the President of the United States for being a racist if I can't criticize uh, Governor Northam for dressing up in a KKK garb and, and when he was 25 years old. So, as usual, we, we just skipped everything about the abortion. The amazing thing is, PBS didn't. Of all people, David Brooks, who's a fucking libtard, he says he's conservative or independent or whatever. He's not. He he referenced it, right? A couple tweets and then I'm going to play it and then we're going to go into the Fairfax, all right? Because that's really what they did. They just skipped all this and they moved on to Fairfax because they're in trouble on Fairfax. The media is really on trouble on Fairfax, and we'll talk about it in a second, but i got to get two things in. Elena Mastrongalalawo, she's a female. Leftist, I'm pro-choice. Me, can I choose my health care? Leftist, no. Me, can I choose my method of self-defense? Leftist, no. Me, can I choose how my money gets spent? Leftist, no. Me, then what can I choose? Leftist, you can choose to kill a baby in the womb after nine months. Is that all they stand for? They're about a woman's right to choose only to kill a baby. But they want to take away your health care. They want to do everything. Fuck Obama. They're just saying, oh, but fucking ACA, hold my beer. We're going to ban private health insurance. That's where we're at. 
Liz Cheney. This week, Dems tried to remove God from witness oaths, advocated killing babies after they're born, voted to give sexual predators a taxpayer-funded pay raise, attempted to give federal government massive power over all America's free speech, and that was all before Friday. And he's right. Or she's right. She's just totally right. So, going to play PBS because it shocked me. And then we're going straight into Fairfax. And the way we're going to start our Fairfax, you're going to hear PBS talk. I think somebody else talked some stupid shit there for a second. And you're going to go straight in to hearing a hearing that happened five months ago. And it's just really interesting how five months ago, Believe All Women played when it was a conservative. But it made made an even bigger story. Yeah, it, well, it started with Andrew Cuomo in New York where they passed a bill with full-length abortion. Uh, and, you know, I, I you can have pro-choice, pro-life. I thought Andrew Cuomo made a mistake in lighting up the, the tower on uh, the World Trade Center. To, abortion's a tough issue. You don't celebrate it. Uh, a full-term abortion with lighting up a tower in celebration of your law. Uh, then the, oh, there was a bill proposed in the Virginia legislature to do this, and the legislator was asked, "Would she? could you abort a baby just before it was in the birth canal? And she said yes. And he was trying to explain it, the governor was, uh, with very medically, that the, if a, a, a child comes out with some problems, then the physician and the parents would decide whether or not to resuscitate. And to me, that's not my understanding of the Hippocratic Oath. If a, if a baby is on a table, it's not even abortion anymore. It's a baby breathing on a table. And that's a human being, whatever you think of the pro-life issue. And so we're pushing new territory, I would say, uh, in this debate. Territory that almost no other country in the world uh, endorses. Where do you see I, I think David makes excellent points. I, I would add to it this, Judy. Abortion is a, a, a Americans are collectively pro-choice and anti-abortion. Um, you ask Americans, how do you feel about abortion? They don't like it. Um, but a woman uh, forced it to make a decision under difficult circumstances in consultation with her confessor, her conscience, um, and her physician. Um, they're not going to criminalize it. But as long as you, the question is what is being decided, as rather who is deciding. And when you talk about what is being decided, what David has been described, I, I think, frankly, is found indefensible. Abortion is, a, is a, an issue that Americans, quite quite bluntly, uh, have never resolved. I mean, it remains in every Gallup poll every year. A plurality of Americans think abortion is immoral. They, at the same time, they do not want to criminalize it. Um, but I, I, I do think that when you get into the, as we talked about in Virginia, it's infanticide. Uh, when you say make a, make a child, have the child born, comforted, um, consoled, and then they, they decide whether, in fact, uh, you know, is it 24 hours, 12 hours a week? Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I just think the Democrats have gone from being the pro-choice party in both those instances to being the no-choice party. Well, we should, we should point out that the, what Democrats are trying to do in a number of states is, is talk about the health of the mother, the life of the mother, the health of the baby, and those issues are a part of this as well. But you're right, we're not going to resolve this this evening, but it's an important thing to... About a politician who has had a bad week. I mean, you kind of didn't exactly report what happened this week when uh, I think it was quoted as uh, relaxed the abortion restrictions. I mean, this was basically a bill that he supported that literally allows, I mean, almost literally allows an abortion up until the time you cut 
the umbilical this, this cord. This is not the point, okay. Steve. But I, yeah, I, I guess all I'm saying is that, 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 that is, really that is what came people. out this week. I don't want to get into the debate okay. about abortion. That, what he said that, was confusing. But he's under assault yeah. for that, too. And yeah. I would make the case that was an even worse offense than, than this picture. Okay. Well, you, okay, yeah. well, now you just... now. You, Let's talk about... No, 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 well, no. Steve, we're here to talk about the issue of racism. And I know you would like to divert the issue to a conversation that's more comfortable for you about abortion or something. But the reality is this is a race... It's contemptible. I agree with you. Right, but this is... This was the second moment where Ralph Northam this week failed to respect human dignity. The first moment, of course, was when he made his absolutely ghoulish, horrific statements about abortion. This was his second PR debacle this week. Previous to this blackface KKK road moonwalking press conference, he was on a radio show talk, and he's a pediatrician. Yeah, we ran the clip Talking earlier. about, yeah. talking, don't interrupt me. <laughs> talking about, wasn't. talking about aborting children at the moment of birth and then even after they had been delivered. I agree with you, Bakari. Human dignity matters, and we ought to respect every human life of every race, especially these poor babies who are laying in delivery rooms. When you have governors of states that think we should have a discussion about murdering them after okay, they were stop, born? Stop, stop, stop. That's Outrageous. a lie. What you're saying Outrageous. is a ghoulish lie. I am on the board of Nero Pochois America. That is a lie that the right wing has perpetuated. Listen to his radio Let's show. Stay. Listen I to his radio he said. show. I don't agree with what he said in the way he said it, but what we're talking about is making sure that in those instances, it is a woman and a doctor, not anyone at this table or anyone in Congress, making the decision. That is not the same thing as what we are talking about when we are talking about, this is what we started talking about, racism in this country. And we know that that largely drove why people voted for Donald Trump in 2016. So in 2020, this is a time when we are going to have to have that conversation. Okay. So this all comes in the same week. I've never seen a week like this for one politician. Hmm. So Wednesday, he implicitly endorsed uh, allowing a child born alive to die on the table. And remember, he's a pediatrician. Um, and then Friday, these racist photos came out. It was the debate over late-term abortion, uh, and a lot of people have taken issue with some of the words he said, and that is your interpretation right. of and, what he and, said, and obviously. Uh, the pictures are horrible, but on top of that, what he said about uh, a new baby that uh, possibly would not be uh, taken care of to make sure he survived after birth is, is, is disgusting. Mm -hmm. uh, I am absolutely uh, pro-life, um, but I think anybody would... I mean, I have six grandsons. I love my family, and I just can't imagine somebody would say after a child's born uh, that we're going to decide whether they're, they're going to live or not. That's disgusting. Again, what he's going to resign over potentially or what he's facing heat over now is the racist yearbook photo. Governor Northam, and take it for what it is, says that on that radio show when he was talking about abortion, he was talking about in cases where the fetus or the baby was not viable on Governor Northam in the racist photo. I want to try to drill down on something. We were just talking to Frank Figlesi, a former FBI officer, a top-ranking officer, and he says that his sources, who are very good sources, in the Bureau tell him that they are still pretty much handcuffed, that yes, more witnesses, follow-up witnesses can be interviewed, but the issues are only the initial allegations from Dr. Ford of a sexual attack, not lying, not drinking, not whether he was rude or showed belligerence to senators such as yourself. Is that the parameter of this follow-up investigation? And is that all that will be considered before you go to a vote? Collins is a Republican in a state with many independent-minded voters. Your decision is not going to play well back home in Maine. A website went up over these last couple of weeks collecting funds for whoever your opponent may be in 2020. 
and something over $2 million was raised. Many of your opponents are going to say she's pro-choice, she is pro-women's rights, and she just sent a man accused of sexual assault to the Supreme Court of the United States. There are many who believe that Judge Kavanaugh will be the vote that results in abortion becoming illegal in the United States, and I wonder if you're concerned about that. I know it's a slasher movie, and it, it will, it, you, it what did you say? You it freaks you out. Oh, boy. But it actually is about something. The movie is about trauma, because what happened to Laurie Strode yes. when she was 17, uh -huh. um, it is fiction. Yep. I want to make sure everybody understands I'm not saying this happened to me, mm -hmm. but it happened to Laurie Strode right. in the movies. And here we are having a conversation, a global conversation mm -hmm. about trauma mm -hmm. and what effect that kind of trauma has mm -hmm. on a person. And we, you guys talked about it earlier, about someone having it affect them their whole oh, life. Yeah. Yeah. Christine Ford yeah. said Heidi, this I affected care. her. Yeah. Heidi, this mm -hmm. affected me. So what happened to Laurie Strode, mm. 1978 on October 31st, mm -hmm. was carried forward right. and was yeah. carried forward with trauma. The heroine of Halloween is a woman yes. who suffered a trauma when she was 17, like Dr. Ford, when she life. was yes. 17, and it changed and shaped yeah. her life, and now she is taking back the power, which is what all of these brave women have yeah, done. Yeah, all through all these years that are in question, you were a virgin. That's correct. Never had sexual intercourse with anyone in high school. Correct. And through what years in college, since we're... Probing into your personal Many life years, here. many years after. I'll leave it at that. Wow. Thank you for amending that. He was a virgin until many years after. So if he doesn't get to be on the Supreme Court, maybe he'll be the bachelor. They've got a thing. <laughs> on Thursday, Judge Kavanaugh and his first accuser, Professor Christine Blasey Ford, will both of them will testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Professor Ford claims Kavanaugh tried to sexually assault her at a high school party. Uh, he claims that he kept calendars detailing his social engagements from 1982 that will help to exonerate him. Okay, what 17-year-old keeps calendars of his social engagement? <laughs> no wonder he was a virgin. <laughs> in light of this new allegation, President Trump expressed no change in his view about Kavanaugh. In fact, if anything, he likes him more. Judge Kavanaugh is an outstanding person. And I am with them all the way. We'll see how it goes with the Senate. We'll see how it goes with the vote. I think it could be, there's a chance that this could be one of the single most unfair, unjust things to happen to a candidate for anything. But I am with Judge Kavanaugh, and I look forward to a vote. And for people to come out of the woodwork from 36 years ago and 30 years ago and never mentioned it, all of a sudden it happens. In my opinion, it's totally political. Yeah, spoken like a man who has people coming out of the woodwork from 30 years ago. <laughs> but that's, I think there's a compromise here, and uh, well, hear me out on this. So, Kavanaugh gets confirmed to, to the Supreme Court. Okay, well, in return, we get to cut that pesky penis of his off in front of everyone. <laughs> no? That's not good? No. <laughs> I thought I had a solution there for a minute. But are Susan Collins, Jeff Flake, and Lisa Murkowski moved by that kind of behavior? Are they moved by Christine Blasey Ford, who was composed, emotional, very deferential? All of them have talked a big anti-Trump game at various times. But in the end, normally when the chips are down, they end up voting with Donald Trump. If I'm being cynical, I look at this and go, 
maybe by turning it into a giant partisan food fight and by Lindsey Graham acting like a fucking lunatic and all that, <laughs> maybe it's enough. And they fold to Donald Trump again. So once again, back when Kavanaugh broke, three or four women came forward. All of them have been proven false. The left is still trying to give Basie Ford a fucking award. She's been proven false. Every All 98 ethics violations they said Kavanaugh had has been proven false. But WAPO did the bias of omission. They're just not going to do it because he's a dem. Washington Post refused to run sketchy sex assault allegation against a Democrat. They ran several against Kavanaugh. Going to read it because I just showed you. They didn't care. This has gone far enough. Now Governor VA team is attacking Justin Fairfax. That's the next thing that went. Well, this is Northam. He's doing it so he can't get booted. Washington Post. Virginia Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax denies sex assault allegation. He has never assaulted anyone ever in any way, shape, or form, says his people. The Post said there were so many significant red flags. The women told different versions of what happened in the hotel room with no one else present. The Washington Post could not find anyone who could corroborate other version. Did you just hear that? Because under Kavanaugh, oh, you must believe all women. If you do not believe all women, you're a fucking sexist. What is wrong with you? All a pundit. WAPO replies to Virginia Lieutenant Governor, no, we didn't find red flags or inconsistencies in your accuser's story. Then they start spinning. This is by midday yesterday. That, oh, that's not what we said. But they tweeted it. <laughs> Red flags, inconsistencies. Brent Hume turned me on to this. Good thread, especially the tweet with comparison of Fairfax case to Kavanaugh. Ted Frank, at Ted Frank. It's a good thing when media emphasize claims are unsubstantiated and refuse to run stories that are uncorroborated, but one can only note the double standard. Far more detail on the much more serious allegations against Fairfax, and it's without obvious political motive. Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax denies 2004 sexual assault. Notable absence of our blue check betters hectoring us to believe all women and insisting that an accuser who has much more at stake and hurting her own party has no motive to lie. It would be nice if this means that the media and the mob have learned something from last year, but I suspect it will all go away with the next smear campaign using the Me Too shield against someone on the right. Washington democracy dies in the darkness post isn't even running a story 12 hours after the unfairly accused political politician issued a public denial. It's as if they know that even reporting the denial is a dreadfully unfair smear, precisely because a subset of its readers will assume the accusation has merit. Fairfax accuser identifies time and place. Fairfax accuser shares Fairfax politics. Fairfax accuser immediately identified herself. Fairfax allegation, not sandbag. Fairfax issued a statement. I don't think that's enough to report, but it's more than Kavanaugh. I cannot emphasize the sandbagging enough. Senate Judiciary Committee has a marvelous procedure for investigating salacious claims without exposing accuser or accused to circus. Many candidates with 
withdraw when investigation's done. Dems went with circus at expense of Ford. There was a huge cynical demonstration that Democrats didn't believe a single word of the allegation. They didn't remotely care about the issue. They just wanted to smear Kavanaugh. New regular procedures would not accomplish that. And the media happily helped. They finally run an article at 12.12 and explain why they didn't previously run it. But doesn't explain why this got different treatment than Kavanaugh. Goff Bennett. NBC News is now naming the woman who accuses Virginia Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax sexual assault and claiming he categorically denies. Vanessa Tyson, associate professor of politics at Scripps College, has provided permission to identify her per her source close to the legal team. Now that she's gone public, this is the real deal scandal-wise. Northam position just got immeasurably strengthened in the short term. The backflips and contortions Dems are going to have to do to distinguish this from the position on Kavanaugh will be hilarious. But they're not being made to do it. Her tweet, to say the last few weeks have been triggering would be an understatement. See, she even speaks in the religion of Prague. Sending love to all the survivors out there whose rapist assailants called it consensual and whose society's privilege is old boys club over all else. Me too, standing with survivors. Interesting how Democrats like Senator Dianne Feinstein, Harris, Hirano, Believe Ford right out the gate, and yet we haven't heard a peep out of him on this. Brett Baer. Republicans are now noting the long list of Democratic senators who said we believe her, and we have to believe her first in the Kavanaugh hearing, and are silent on Fairfax. If MSM reports this at all, they repeatedly say accusation, uncorroborated, over and over, which they didn't do for Justice Kavanaugh. Honestly, I'm surprised he hasn't accused a Republican at this point. But he kind of backed himself into a corner by now, somebody else says. It's atrocious. It is just atrocious that they can get away with this. This is how it's done. In the last two weeks, we have watched Covington kids a screenshot destroy their lives when 15 minutes of video, which I won't be able to play today because of all the sound bites, but I'll play next podcast, shows they did nothing wrong. Their lawyer is suing the fuck out of everybody. And then a picture in a yearbook get, oh, conspiracy theorist, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. Holy shit. He answered it. We got to report it now. And not every Democrat lined up. Should Northam resign? Should Northam resign? Should Northam resign? Did Northam say you should kill a live baby? I haven't heard what he said. To ignore all that, scandal, Lieutenant Governor, find out WAPO wouldn't even report it, yet ran with less on Kavanaugh, and the media just say, nothing. This isn't front page. This isn't leading. This is not the story. It is fucking criminal. The bias we have. So we're going to go to a music break. I'm going to outro. I'm outroing for a purpose. I wanted to stick in your head. This is what they did to Kavanaugh. You now have a guy 
who is a rising star, not because of his politics, because of his skin color. They wanted another eloquent black man, like we heard from a reporter last week and then called out by Alyssa Milano. He was going to be the next Obama. We got to protect him. He could kill a fucking panda bear. We don't care. And let it sit in your head. This is every story. This isn't just this. This is every story. The bias of omission. Always including the name of the accused when it's a Republican. And saying just the title when it's a Democrat. Running with anything for a Republican. Hard concrete evidence. Oh, there's some red flags over here. I'm seeing some red flags. And they'll come into hate tweets. Fucking hypocrisy. Uh, Jennifer Rubin, a conservative writer for the Washington Post. Jennifer, what were you getting across in your piece, uh, speaking as a, as a conservative fellow traveler, uh, so to speak? First of all, I just want to comment on that appearance by those senators today. They are so emotional, almost hysterical. I, I would make a joke about it, that they're behaving you know, as if it's their time of the month, but this is very, very serious. It's for an entire generation of women going forward, they will not be able to look at the Supreme Court the same way, particularly post that Kavanaugh performance, that as a man, I was embarrassed for him. It was, it was the ultimate display of, of white entitlement. And speaking of which, just one more point. As I talked to men over the weekend, I find that the higher you go on the income curve, the more men are like, why, you know, well, we all did this, we all did this in one form or another, still not getting it. Women are getting it, and I find the lower you go on the income curve, men are getting it. But this does not move us at all, any forward, as far as entitled men feeling what they can and can't get away from. I think the stakes are beyond politics. It goes way into where we stand as the genders. Troy Reed's with me right now. This I know you're not a traditionalist like I am about <laughs> some of these things, but it is nice to see that they know how to be disciplined. Of course, this Republican leader, uh, Mitch McConnell, knows how to do this. He has corralled his entire caucus, except for um, Murkowski, mm -hmm. who has her home state politics to deal with, and he's got himself a victory here. You know, Chris, as I'm watching this, as we're watching it together, a couple things jumped out at me, one of which was Vice President Mike Pence calling for the restoring of order. And you look at that tableau there. This is order as seen from the point of view of the kind of people who run the Senate right now. The Senate, I was just writing in the demographics, were 78 men, only 21 women, 90 white, 3 black, 4 Hispanic, 3 Asian American. This is um, a country that was founded to be blunt on the idea that being a free white landed male gave you super citizenship, that you were more a citizen than anyone else. Mitch McConnell has decided that order means that people like Mitch McConnell, men like him rule. He believes in rule. Democrats tend to believe in governing. Republicans believe in rule. This is Mitch McConnell's rule. He is restoring order as he and people like him understand it, and they will impose it on the people like those people who are protesting, women who are shrieking out in agony, saying, you cannot impose this on us. You can't send us back to the 50s. But Mitch McConnell says, yes, I can. Let's talk about what this means for this country, for America, beyond this vote. What we just saw is not isolated to these two women and that one senator. That is emblematic of where this country will be left, regardless of which way this vote goes, Nia. 
That's right. I mean, you could hear the raw emotion. You could hear the anger, uh, the anguish, really, uh, from those two women really pleading with Jeff Flake uh, to do something different, to really send a message, they were saying, uh, to women that, that he cared, that he cared about uh, their experiences and that they felt like sending someone like Kavanaugh uh, to the court uh, would send the wrong message uh, to not only women who were victims of sexual assault, uh, as, as uh, Dr. Ford alleged that she is, uh, but also young men. We're on the brink of what is likely to be the most divisive vote in our lifetimes. Mm. This is going to sharply divide the American people. There are millions and millions of women who felt just like those, those two women there. I think that, uh, and millions, those millions of women felt that uh, Dr. Ford spoke for them and spoke to them and stirred things in them, memories in them, uh, that we as white males don't really fully understand and appreciate. Uh, and you know, if you have a group of 11 white men sitting there on the Republican side, you have to ask. Clarence Thomas is confirmed in 1991. 1992 is called the Year of the Woman. And that it could well be what happens uh, in this country. I can't imagine the feeling of the millions and millions of women and others who found Dr. Ford very, very credible. And if, uh, as, as seems like, the Republicans are able to get uh, to get. Judge Kavanaugh out of the Supreme Court, they're just going to feel annihilated inside.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Hey, tweet of the day! There's no doubt about it. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or AOC for short, has true online power. She has more Twitter power than pretty much any politician except President Trump, according to this crowd-tangled data published by Axios. She's even passed Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi's number of Twitter followers. Uh, she's all over Instagram as well. Uh, she's using Instagram, sometimes live videos on Instagram, uh, to chat with voters, to have conversations, they answer questions. Uh, and she's also using Twitter and other platforms to challenge conservative media critics and to fire back at them. But does her p- online power translate to political power? How are her aides trying to make sure it does translate? Uh, let's talk about it with Shoykat Chakrabarty. Uh, he's the chief of staff to AOC, and he's joining me now from Washington. Uh, Shoykat, I'm really curious about what your last month has been uh, working with her as a freshman congresswoman. How would you describe the first month? Oh, I mean, it's a whirlwind, I guess. I mean, we didn't expect to show up into a government shutdown, so that sort of uh, threw everything off the yeah. off the rails, right? Um, but it's been exciting. You mentioned yeah. taxes. That's the 60 Minutes interview, right? Ander- exactly, Anderson Cooper yeah. sits down with her in early January. She talks about a 70% tax on the 10th right. do- million dollar. And I agree with you. She has changed the tax debate. How strategic was that on your all's part? Well, this headline might have made you smile from Politico. This was a piece titled, Why Trump's Superfans Dig AOC. Representative Matt Gates was quoted saying, I aspire to be the conservative AOC. What's your reaction? You got any advice for him? I noticed uh, my colleague Oliver Darcy making the point the other day that AOC has a symbiotic relationship with her critics. You know, they dunk on her, she dunks back on them. So what is your all's Fox strategy? Do you and her talk about how to handle Fox News, whether to go on Fox News, for example. All right, I don't want to interrupt the conversation, but let me just add one more little additive here. The Schul- Howard Schultz's sort of uh, budding campaign, it's not official, but they did some polling. They released some of us. They, they did polling following this week where he got beaten, the living daylights out of him in the media. Here's, here's one matchup. They sent us two matchups of, of Trump-Harris-Schultz and Trump-Warren-Schultz. As you can see here, this is uh, a poll conducted after the rollout, so in the last two days of Thursday and Friday, Essentially, Trump and Harris tied, Schultz sitting at 17. The point they wanted to make here, Mark Leibovich, is that, hey, even after this horrible rollout where he got battered uh, left and sometimes right, he's still sitting in the mid-teens, which their argument is shows you how much room there is for an independent. Well, it's it's the half-cap strategy. Actually, I didn't even mean to do that. (laughs) No, I mean, look, is he trying to make the point of the Democrats? Because that that basically says, you know, Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren, they could be up by seven, eight points in these polls, and yet, I mean, you have Donald Trump in the lead. So, I mean, it's hard to see what they're trying to do here, except that he has gained some traction. There is room for him. Did Democrat, are Democrats there's overreacting? There's room for him to, to lose. There's There's no path for him to win the presidency. There just isn't. Well, and for the Democrats to lose. I think that what the Democrats are really counting on is more of a, a centrist piece of, of the, um, the nominee on their end to bring in a lot of the independent and moderate Republicans who do not like where their party is going. Mm. Schultz basically tears that away. Well, this well, is the thing, though. If you're really worried about this... Liberal Democrat in good standing the day before yesterday, cleaving off enough moderate uh, voters to swing the election, moderate on some issues. And that's the, the one thing that basically oh, the Democratic Party seems to have zero interest in. No.
You, I assume, had spent a little bit of time talking with him. Did you think he was going to run as a Democrat or as an independent? I have no idea with Howard Schultz. He doesn't deign to talk to us mere public uh, officials that often. Is that right? He has other things that he thinks about. And I think he needs to give thought to his legacy here. If he wants to run, he is welcome to run as a Democrat. Welcome to the pool. Don't be afraid of running in a place that actually could help people make decisions. His candidacy is not just a distraction. It is a potential fatal uh, 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 disease, if you will, yeah. infecting us with Donald Trump for another four years. I, we cannot have that. I just declared an emergency for measles in my state. Yeah. And this is an emergency as well. You shouldn't run, uh, Howard. And you're hearing those voices. You'll hear those voices tonight Do you <laughs> in Seattle. All right, that's Seltzer gushing over AOC. Two toads. I can't believe Schultz made it through all that. I really like him. And then somebody just say the president's like measles? What the fuck? That's that's meet the press. Katie Turr. What sort of monster cuts down a Joshua tree? I've been sitting on that for like a month. <laughs> I just wanted to pull it out. Just a bash tour. Vincent Palumbo. This is a meme making it. Uh, Obama. Average household income 50,221. Trump. 61,400. Overall unemployment, 9.9. Trump, 3.9. Unemployment rate women, 3.8. Trump, 4.4. Hispanic, 6.6. Blacks, total jobs gained, 2.3. Obama, uh, women, 8.7. Hispanics, 12.8. 16.1 for Obama. Lost 5.1. Or 6.1 jobs. But, you know, they couldn't stand for a great economy last night. Because, once again, billionaires and shit. Okay. Chris Murphy, bombshell. The beautiful military equipment Trump sold Saudi Arabia and UAE is now in the hands of Al-Qaeda-aligned militia. One group drives U.S.-made armored vehicles now. This is what happens when you flood a war zone with more weapons. It's not his fault. He's a big CNN guy. And, of course, they put that out without any timeline. And we find out the weapons were handed over in 2015. Unless Trump got on a time machine like the Travelers, which I've been listening to a lot of uh, freaking Ben Shapiro. I'm just surprised how many things I cover and he covers and understand my entire show was done. And I listened to his yesterday podcast, and I was just like, man, I'm not too far off the pace there. I mean, he's more eloquent, he's a big guy, and he's rich. But, you know, hey, I'm, I'm in the ballpark. But he was talking about the Travelers, which surprised me, because I talked about that shit a year ago um, and did a review on it. I thought it was kind of cool, because I love that show. I, I just rewatched all three seasons again. I just Travelers is the shit. So, back to the politics. Unless he could do that, there's no way Trump did it in 2015. But this is like article number 7,000 that we float out. It's Obama. The media tries to get a gotcha on Trump. Ignorant resist people, including their congressmen and senators, roll with it without even reading the article. They just take the Trump sucks headline from CNN. Um, let's see. Florida guy, Congresswoman Democrat Ilian Omar, white men are disgusting. They can't comprehend Islam and disrespect Allah with what they say, eat. White men will be slaves one day. Those are her words. Yeah. Peter Sweden, Sweden, 
7,840 rapes last year, with half the victims being children. Second most reported rapes in the world. 1,457 cars set on fire in 2017. 116 grenade attacks last year. Eight years. 40,000 girls' genitals mutilated. Record number of fatal shootings last year. Record number. Then in the reality thing again, because remember Cuomo's part of the billionaires, fuck them, we're going to tax everything, we tax soda, we ban straws, we abort babies when they're in grade school. In New York, estimated tax payments are $2.3 billion below forecast thanks to the politically motivated assault on blue states through federal tax codes. We will fight the loss of SALT deductions and do everything possible to protect our taxpayers. Governor Cuomo announced money that state income revenues plummeted $2.3 billion since he introduced his new budget plan last month, a bombshell that will force him to curb spending. Cuomo attributed the revenue drop in December and January, largely new federal tax code, as well as volatility in the stock market. Joey Muggs. Funny, on the same day, New York City rolls out free universal pre-K and 3K multi-language program. Why should the US, rest of the U.S. pay for that? Lower taxes, put more money in people's pockets, and they can afford things which will increase revenue. God forbid you shrink the size of state government. And then somebody like me. This is why you're 70 and 90% of billionaires pay. Well, fuck you. It's not salt. The media knows it's not salt. It's people are moving away. If I'm rich... I'm not staying there. I mean, there's NFL players that realize they go to these blue states. They're fucked. Why do you think Tom Brady's conservative, if he is? Because you tax the fuck out of people. And then our tweet for the day. I'm going to read it first. Then I'm going to go the fuck off. And then I'll play it as we go out to news and social media nuggets. We're doing it different today. We're going to do news social media nuggets, part of it, then do a music break, and then go into college crazy. Uh, because this is just a weird podcast. It's short on the front, heavy in the end. CBS Sunday morning. Morning. Tomorrow. Did you know Waffle House has its own language? For instance, smothered means with onions and covered means topped with cheese. Like Burbank checks out the house, the girl rules grits. Hash browns, and of course, waffles. People's replies. Actually taking a trip into America? Hope they'll be okay. I did, as a matter of fact, because I haven't spent every moment of my life between Boston and New York City. Another shocking revelation, Luke Burbank discovered the tea at Waffle House is both iced and sweet. What makes this even worse is that most places that serve hash brown, you smothered and covered. This is a person who's never been to IHOP, Denny's, or diners in general. Another person, thank you for coming down from the palace to tell us about a place we've eaten to in years. You know, this is what's wrong with our media. This is why Chuck Toad will be on record quoting the theater of the absurd, but every poll shows Trump's speech was a hit. This is why we hear all these stories about how horrible everybody is because they don't want to be a gay transvestite 
person of color and abort babies. You people don't leave your zip code. You stay in your bubble. All you know is your bubble. You project your bubble out into the world and you call it news. This is why WAPO has to do a million dollar ad to try to to convince people to sign up for their rag that is nothing but fucking liberal tropes. You don't know America. You don't ever travel to America. You think the South is still Jim Crow. You think the middle of the country is just a bunch of farmers with buckwheat cakes on their breakfast table. You're the reason I call my podcast Flyover Politic with a K because some other jackass that doesn't exist anymore took Flyover Politics. I don't know why I can't change my goddamn name back to the original name, but whatever. It's something about... It won't feed now because it's the same name. But this is the reason. You don't know America, Americans. You don't know what it's like to be Americans. You can go off on your little tropes about how the rich are evil and the world's this and that and yada yada and everybody's racist to voted for Trump and you can do all these things because you don't know anybody that actually works for a living, struggles to put food on a table, Other than people of color that live in your blue states, where clearly all your liberal ideals aren't helping people. You don't know that the average American isn't down with open borders because you live in a fucking city that's surrounded by a bunch of illegals because it's a sanctuary. You don't know anything. You're a fucking elitist that talks off your nose to people, and then gets upset when we don't do what you said we're supposed to do. Because we have opinions too. This soundbite, finally, and I'll stop ranting, is why the media's failing. It's why BuzzFeed, Vox, HuffPo, McClatchy, it's why you're failing. You do this story, it's like a bunch of goddamn inbred Martians going to breakfast. When normal people, that's, they're going out to dinner, dickhead. That's a date weekend for me and my wife. Let's go to Waffle House or the local diner. This is how normal people eat. I'm sorry, we can't afford your gluten-free vegan pancakes and your white, your fucking yolkless eggs made out of soybean and your fucking soybean bacon. Can't afford that shit. So we go to Waffle House where they smother it and cover it. Fucking get in a car and take a trip, you dicks. Today's Super Bowl is being played in the heart of the South, likely to last a few hours at most. But Atlanta has another claim to fame that's open 24 hours. Here's Luke Burbank. The eyes of the world are on Atlanta today. But what about the stomachs of the world? 
Well, if they're at the Super Bowl, there's a good chance they'll end up at a Waffle House. There's something that appeals to everybody, whether you're a Southerner and you love grits or whether you have to have the hash browns. It is a Southern atmosphere. It's a Southern menu. It's, uh, it's Southern. Founded in 1955, the first Waffle House was just a tiny rectangular box. Well, it was a neighborhood restaurant. That original location, now a museum in Atlanta, is where I caught up with Waffle House spokesman Pat Warner. In the 50s, there weren't a lot of restaurants. Everybody ate at home, so eating out was kind of a fun thing to do. The food was cheap, made to order, and as a nutritionist would say, calorically dense. The chain has grown to over 2,000 restaurants these days, mainly in the South. we got folks who will drive past two or three Waffle Houses to go to their Waffle House because that's where their server's at, that's where their cook's at. Employees like grill operator and server Julia Williams. You know, I have to come see y'all when I'm here. All righty. Williams is the quarterback, the Tom Brady, if you will, of this particular Waffle House in North Atlanta. Order scramble, dry wheat plate on two. Handling details and making decisions on the fly. Breakfast side, flip it over for the lunch side. I was her rookie backup. So this entire restaurant, this is all riding on me? Pretty much. That's a terrible idea. I have no idea what I'm doing. And it quickly became apparent, uh, I don't know, I was uncoachable. Butter is right there. It didn't help that Waffle House basically has its own language. Order scrambled on two. One's a biscuit, plate. Plate means hash browns because Mm -hmm. it's going to be the plate. And it's smothered and covered. For instance, smothered means with onions. And covered means topped with cheese. There's no way I'm going to remember this. And when it came to actually cooking the eggs, I was somehow even worse. Look down your line. Oh, my God. Everybody stop ordering food. I need some time. It was clear that I was unqualified to make the food. Thank you, Luke. Good job. So I figured I'd at least eat some of it. Okay, a lot of it with Atlanta Magazine food critic Mara Shallop. It's basic food. It's like mostly brown. <laughs> you don't see anything green on this menu. It's meats, starch, and sugar, and butter, and grease, and everything that's comforting and wonderful. Waffle House also prides itself on being a comfort when things are anything but wonderful. Staying open through hurricanes. FEMA even has a name for it, the Waffle House Index. Meaning, if a storm is severe enough to shut down a Waffle House, then the government knows the area has been hit hard. When I get a Waffle House craving, I have to go. Regardless of the hour? Apparently. (laughs) Because it's pretty late right now. (laughs) Of course, staying open 24-7 means Waffle Houses are pretty much the go-to destination for late-night eating. This is probably the only place that's near us that's open. And she, and she, she said it's always better when you're drunk. Wait, who told you that? <laughs> My mom. <laughs> My mom. <laughs> That's a bold parenting move. Is this going to be helping you guys out tomorrow morning probably when you get up? For work, probably. Yeah. Yes. When today's Super Bowl is over, of course the victors they'll have their spoils, but the losers, well, at least they'll be able to smother and cover their sorrows at the Waffle House. generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, 
and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, we have right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. Game along with us are the brave men and women of our armed forces stationed across the U.S. and around the world. And while it's Super Bowl Sunday here in Atlanta, it's Super Bowl Monday morning in South Korea, where the 2nd Infantry Division is based. And with us right now is Major General D. Scott McKeon. Welcome, Major General. Hey, good morning, guys. And it is a good morning, 0530 here uh, in the great Korea. And uh, we're glad to be part of this. Do you have a question for Nate or Vaughn? Well, I'll, I'll ask it to Nate since he's the commentator here. But So John Lynch and uh, Kyle Shanahan are starting their third year. Yeah. Will the 49ers be able to compete uh, next year with the Rams? And the second part of that is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be the comeback player of the year? Oh, that's well, a great question. Nate, well, before you answer that, remember we've got <laughs> lots of tanks and helicopters over here, so I just want to make sure you, you take that into your consideration. Well, they're going to win the Super Bowl since you put it like that. <laughs> well, let me, let me tell you this. Uh, first, let me say thank you um, on behalf of of all the players uh, for what you guys do. It, it, you guys are tr the true heroes. Even though we get described as such, you guys are the heroes. When it comes to the Niners, Kyle Shanahan is one of the more genius minds when it comes to play calling, and, and he's going to have this team right. And, and Vaughn, I'll, I'll toss it to you about Jimmy Garoppolo. When healthy, what type of talent is he? Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is a, is a great quarterback. I haven't had the chance to play him, but I've, I've watched him. Yeah. They have a solid team without him. The offensive line is great. Yeah. They have receivers there. The defense is really slept on. They got three or four first-rounders in the defensive line. So when Jimmy G comes in, that team is yeah. going to be a contender. And for, for all the injuries that they dealt with, they, they handled it well. Just imagine when everybody gets back healthy and, and Kyle Shanahan can actually work with his talented guys. Thank you so much for your service. Please stay safe and enjoy the game today. with a story that you'll only see online tonight. The LAPD and elite military units conducted extraordinary counterterrorism training in the skies above downtown L.A. tonight. And Sky 9 was there to see it all. KCAL 9's Juan Fernandez is live on Sky 9 to show us some incredible images that we captured tonight. Juan? Indeed, Rick, what we saw tonight is something you normally do not see over the skies of Los Angeles. We can take you live outside, give you an idea where all this was going on over downtown Los Angeles and in the area surrounding it. Special military operation forces in conjunction with the LAPD conducting some military maneuvers that had many people wondering what is going on. Military maneuvers by special operation forces in full swing over the skies of Los Angeles. Our cameras were there when a Black Hawk helicopter and four OH-6s, or Little Birds, flew over the city. 
Take a look. This is the U.S. Bank building where they hovered for a while before flying to their next target. One o'clock, one o'clock, very low. At one point, they made what appeared to be a drop-off at a park. Within seconds of landing, the helicopter was back in the air. Well, this is full push. Then, while over the Staples Center, while the Lakers played inside, you can see someone on board sitting with his legs hanging off the side of the chopper. While the training is hush-hush, the LAPD, which is assisting the military, says this is routine training with the focus on urban environments. The staging area tonight, Dodger Stadium. Chief Warrant Officer David Duran was a U.S. Army aviator for 12 years. He now flies Black Hawk helicopters for the National Guard in California. He says what we're seeing tonight could be a dry run for a future mission. We do a lot of mock-up training. Um, it's always best to, to get closest um, terrain layout to put the objective. Durant says the military picks environments based on what they might be facing in the near future. If it's a mountainous terrain, then they go to mountains. If it's a desert terrain, they use the desert. If it's coastal terrain, they use the coast. If it's an urban terrain, you know, uh, whatever, whatever's needed. When carrying out a mission, time on target is the focus. That means is that every step of the mission must be conducted exactly as it's planned out. Lives are at stake. Every second counts. These guys are really the best that there are in the world. And back out live over downtown Los Angeles. The operation continues at this hour, but we are keeping a safe distance as requested to not interfere with that. Now, we are going to see this maneuver continue for at least uh, one more night. Uh, we are told uh, that will definitely be happening, and many people wondering about the safety of this going on over an urban area. You saw some amazing maneuvers there, and we want to remind you these are highly trained professionals that are consistently training um, in what they do. Also, what we saw here tonight uh, in downtown Los Angeles has been seen in Miami and in Boston, so this sort of uh, training goes on all over the U.S. Reporting live over downtown Los Angeles, I'm Juan Fernandez, KKL 9 News. So that's some soldiers cracking on an announcer from Afghanistan, which I thought was great. And oh my gosh, L.A., military maneuvers with probably SF. Man, they did not like that. That was a whole Twitter thing. Just a Twitter thing. Oh my God. Why is the military doing this? So back to the magnetic north. I'm just perplexed by this because it's not like a big deal and you think by now the global warming alarmists be going into overdrive magnetic north shifting by 30 miles a year might signal pole reversal whenever you're you hold a compass the needle points to magnetic north near the north pole for centuries magnetic north has led navigators and explorers around the world but the magnetic north pole is currently shifting at a faster rate than any time in human history it's moving at 50 kilometers or 30 miles a year it didn't move between 1900 and 1980 but it's really accelerated in the past 40 years karen bagan of the british geologic survey in Edinburgh told Reuters. A five-year update of the World Magnetic Model was due in 2020, but the U.S. military requested an early review, according to Bagan. The latest update was released on February 4th and shows the magnetic field shifting further west. The changes are causing major problems for aviation navigators and migrating animals for the use of Earth's magnetic field to orientate themselves. Some airports have had to change the name of the runways to better correspond to the current direction relative to magnetic north. Why the pole will eventually flip. 
Some experts believe that it may be the beginning of a complete poll reversal. The rapid shifting of polls position has prompted some experts to speculate that the entire magnetic field may be preparing to flip, whereas all compasses invert and point south instead of north. It may sound radical, but in geological time, pole reversals are relatively common, though they typically occur only every 400,000 years. It's been 780,000 years since the last flip. Scientists disagree on how a pole reversal would affect ecosystems around the world, but some alarmists warn of a planet-altering catastrophe, just like 2012. Reversals typically take out 10,000 years to happen, and 10,000 years ago, civilization did not exist. These processes are slow, blah, 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 blah. So why is it so important? Well, it, for those that have never navigated, your map is map north. There's true north, which is the North Pole, and then you have magnetic north. So when you use a compass, all right, the declination diagram is... A magnetic variation is the angle on the horizontal plane between magnetic north and the true north. This angle varies depending on position on the Earth's surface and changes over time. So we adjust. If I make a map, I, pro, I plot a map compass to go from here to there for a military mission. I then take the declination diagram and in effect. So if the map says I'm going on a 360, but it's minus 11, well, then I got to go on a 349 so that I'm actually moving on the right direction. Well, it's flipping so fast that they just did an update, as stated in the article, because the military relies on this. This is how we navigate. We have to know how far off our map is now to where north is and to get the compass to work. With it shifting, you'll navigate off. Now, granted, a majority of us, even when I went to Afghanistan, I had an 8x11 map, which was fucking useless as tits on a boarhawk, and I had a plugger, you know, a little military model that stayed in my rucksack because I used a GPS. I had an E-Trex. I would plot it. It would tell me where to move using the map. So the compass was already doing it for me. I don't have to worry about it. I had the compass. I'd check and make sure that the patrol, because, you know, as a platoon sergeant, you're in the rear with the gear, making sure that we're moving in the right direction, and it would plot my movement towards wherever it was. Like on LZ1, I think it was a 10-kilometer move, most of it vertical. It would tell me how far on the route we were. It was pacing for me. Back in the old days, you had a map, a compass, and you used pace count. We actually had pace count beads. My pace count was 67 lefts. would be 100 meters, which was, you know, a lot, because I take a short stride. Somebody on that patrol be counting 67 steps, and you pull down a bead. And then when we got 10 beads, I've got a click. We'd have another bead. And that's how we tracked how we moved. That was pretty anarchic, but that's how they did it in Nam, World War II, the whole nine yards. You use pace count, compass. You had a man on compass. You had a slack man to guard him, because his whole purpose was to use that compass, be pointing to an object in the direction he was going to move, move to that object, blah, blah, blah. If you had to go around swamps or rivers or whatever, you would pace off how far I went to the right, cross the obstacle, pace back, and then get back on azimuth because I had to go to a specific point for this mission. Using map, train associations, seeing ridge lines, roads, things like that, if the maps were accurate, you know, granted, most of us just walked, and you didn't need all that shit. You used the compass to keep you on there, but when you got short 
of your objective or your what we used to call an objective rally point where we set up to go do a mission and you kind of put in a security perimeter and you get your shit right and get all the special equipment out and then you go do it. I'm using train association. Even at night. Okay, yeah, well, here we are. Here's the cut. I'm good to go. Um, but I just think this is just amazing. I don't know why it's not more forefront. There is something happening within the earth that's moving this. It's pretty drastic, 30 miles a year, if they're correct. You know, once again, I always take a grain of salt or a bag of salt with all this shit because these are the same people that told us we're all frozen right now or we're underwater or the earth's dying in 12 years. So it's kind of hard to keep up with this shit. Politics has infiltrated science. For the third month in a row, female veteran unemployment rate lower than men. Just make sure we understand that. That's not going to make the news because it kind of blows the whole, oh, women are just in the kitchen making babies. Approximately 3,750 fresh U.S. service member moving south. He's going to use that to build the wall. It is smart, I think. Uh, the additional support include a mobile surveillance capability through the end of September 2019, placement of approx- approximately 150 miles of Constantina while between ports of entry, according to Pentagon. Acting Secretary of Defense Patrick Shanahan approved the deployment on January 11th. This is a violation of executive branch obligation. Blah, blah, blah is left. And you can go fuck yourself. He can do whatever he wants to. So there it is. The deployment will bring the total number of active duty uh, currently assisting CPP personnel at 4,350. Simultaneously, it's something that I'm just blown away has not blown up your TV set. Contractor use in Afghanistan has increased 65% under Trump. Kind of like Obama. But I think they stay away from it because they really can't criticize it because that's what Obama did. I mean, we don't have whole numbers on how many contractors are in theater. Um, Nobody does that. USS South Dakota joins fleet as the most modern sub in the world. A 92-year-old World War II veteran, Richard Dick Daly, handed over the watch Saturday to Lieutenant Ben McFarlane. Hackley served as a radar operator on the USS South Dakota BB-57, among the most decorated battleships of the war. McFarland, known as a plank owner, is among the first to serve on a fast-tech submarine USS South Dakota SS-9-790, which was commissioned at a naval submarine base before a crowd of about 1,400 people. Another 800 watch on a screen. The Virginia-class fact attack submarine, like the South Dakota, with a crew of about 135 are designed to operate in various depths from deep ocean environments to shallow coastal waters. Submarines can perform a variety of missions, including surveillance and reconnaissance, as well as hunt and sink other submarines and surface ships. They can launch land attack missiles, torpedoes, and mines. It is the next badass sub. So, that's pretty cool. Unusually high number of Patriot players come from military families. Dante Sorochia, former Marine sergeant, placed a high value on respect for authority. He just can't stand the phrase universally used to express it. Guys come in all the time and say, yes, sir, which I hate. There's a mini rant coming. That kind of reflective phrase that says, please don't yell at me anymore because I'm saying yes, sir, to you. So I tell them, don't say yes, sir. Just say, I got it. He pauses. Don't even say that because I hate that worse. Just shake your head. It drives me nuts. Sarah Mucci. Sir Chelly, whatever, the Patriots' legendary seven-year-old offensive line coach, might have trouble getting his players to break his habit. It's been ingrained in many of them. The Patriots assembled a roster with an unusually high number of players coming from families that, with parents working in the military or law enforcement. 
Um, James White's parents work in law enforcement. Trent Brown's father, Reginald's a 25-year veteran of the police force now in Albany, Georgia. Rex Burthead's dad is an FBI agent. Adam Butler's father retired a master sergeant in the Air Force. Eldon Roberts' father, Eli, served in Iraq and retired as a master sergeant. McCourtney twins' father, Calvin, who died when the boys were young, served in the Army. So did their older brother, Larry White. Then there's Keon Croson's mom, Winnie, and Dietrich Wise's mom, Sheila, both were in the Army. Joe Cardona, who spent serves who himself served in the Navy. His father, Patrick, spent 24. All told, about one-fifth of the Patriots roster grew up with military or law enforcement families. So maybe that's why they're white nationalists? Could that be a daily beast? There are people that serve? Hmm. So, going to go to a music break. We're going to start College Crazy with some more stupid kids saying stupid shit because our fucking colleges are garbage. Hot fucking garbage. So we'll play that on our out, and then we'll come in to College Crazy. Supposed to like keep people out or whatever? It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Isn't there pretty much already uh, fencing? I'm gonna read a few quotes here from President Trump talking about the need for the southern border wall. First quote, we should spend money to build a barrier to prevent illegal immigrants from coming in. Another quote, we simply cannot allow people to pour into the U.S. undetected, undocumented, and unchecked. Quote, illegal immigration is wrong, plain and simple. Until the American people are convinced we will stop future flows of illegal immigration, we'll make no progress. When you hear quotes like that, what's your reaction to them? It's divisive. Um, I think America is a land of opportunity, a place for inclusion. I just really think it's a kind of hateful speech in general it's just a negative message like all he when he talks about like illegal immigrants it's just one rude like to talk about people like that kind of underlies a lot of things about like discrimination and people and their prejudice prejudices and things like that so i feel like that stuff is touchy to talk about there are racial biases kind of sort of deep embedded in there in a word i'd say it's more jingoist well i think it's i mean it's Overall, it's just unacceptable. I think just the way that he's referring to people across the wall is very dehumanizing. So rhetoric like that is not helpful? No, not at all. What if I told you these were from Chuck Schumer, Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton? How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Really? Really? Uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, um... Yeah, Democrats and Republicans have said things about okay. border control. <laughs> that's interesting. I didn't think that. Uh, that's that's interesting. That would surprise me. <laughs> it's true. Well then, uh, do you can you tell me uh, which ones they were respectively? But that's a that's a very good surprise, by the way. Um, if this were a Trump quote, I believe it would be a lot more. Um, Maybe a lot less calculated. They, I don't know. They just they wouldn't say like say that. I feel like well, they did. I, it's like their demeanor is like the way they come off is like I don't even know what to say. I'm not surprised. Why is that? Well, because I mean, I mean, I guess I'm a little older than most of the college. I'm 20. I'm a graduate student. I'm 26, and so I remember you know Clinton's administration and what they did with immigration and what the Democrats' stance was then. Got it. So I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Are college crazy? American Bar Association higher standards are unfair to minorities. American Bar Association rejected a proposal that would have raised standards. Under the plan, 75% of students at accredited schools would have had to pass the bar exam within two years of graduating. Opponents of the proposal argued that adopting it would negatively affect minorities. It reminds me of the Army... We had a skills qualification test, just like the Air Force. But civil rights group pushed that it wasn't fair to make black people learn to read or something, because that was their argument, that they didn't know how to read and couldn't understand the test that was designed to be at a 10th grade education. I knew plenty of African-Americans that could read better than I was. Yeah, yeah, that was the deal. So we kicked it out. We no longer made sure people knew what the fuck they were doing their job. It was going straight up. We're just going to promote you kids. You're black or you're Asian or whatever. It's fucking horse shit. I think this shit's more racist than people saying they want a wall. I'm just throwing it out there. More racist. Or what Independent Lens has been covering. If you watch PBS, Jesus Christ, they had a show about birth of a nation. And it's still relevant today. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a lot of movies about the KKK out there. Sure. Yeah, sure, Spike Lee. Rob Lowe is humiliated by Pledge of Allegiance in in California. Pretty much said, it's all stupid shit. Yeah. Social Justice Fest promotes sex work advocacy boycotting Wendy's. The Dees Impact Festival of Social Justice run by Brandy's... Office of Diversity, Equality, Inclusion starts Sunday and continues through February 9th, and it's just a hoo-ha. Kroll explained the festival has occurred annually for seven years, but the 2019 marks the first festival run by ODI. There are over 50 events during the week, and each event is organized, funded, and run by individual groups on campus, departments, faculty members, blah, blah, blah. The 2019 theme, what is social justice? Consciously exploring oppression, power, and privilege in our community. The ODI representative further explained that the campus groups that seek to run an event during the festival must apply to an impactors committee. Some of the events, Rights Not to Rescue, a workshop panel on sex workers' rights, Boycott Wendy's, Why and How, Phyllis Bennis Speaks, The Marginalization of Gaza and the West Bank, and Reading God and Torah from a Transgender Perspective. Okay, yeah, all right. Um... Let's see, why are they banding Wendy's? Let me dig through this article. Boycott of the popular fast food chain Wendy's and how Brandy students can support the boycott. Members of the coalition of Imokali work... Oh, Jesus Christ, is that kind of... Jesus freaking Christ. Yeah, Wendy's. Yeah, go ban Wendy's. That'll fucking fix it in a heartbeat. Conservative students more informed than liberals because they have to be. Cabot Phillips joined Fox and Friends, and what he said was pretty apropos. Sarah students are more informed than their liberal counterparts because they have to be. If you're conservative America Day, you're consistently having to push back against the media, against your professors, and oftentimes against society as a whole, so you end up knowing really well why you believe what you do, and how to defend and articulate those beat, uh, beliefs. 
Sadly, many liberal students, because they're intellectually coddled in America, they don't have to really arm themselves with facts and statistics. And so young conservatives are oftentimes more engaged. I think it's spot on and true. I mean, literally, me just saying, what, five, six years ago, I'm pro-choice, but I believe there should be restrictions on second-term abortions, and I don't want to pay for it. I was attacked mercilessly, which made me dig into abortion, and then I became pro-life. That's just how it worked. I was for the border, because I think we have a legal immigrant problem. If, If you can tell me that, well, we think there's 10 million people here, and you really don't know, probably got a problem. And then I start researching how fucking fucked up all this shit is, all because liberals want to have people vote for them. Yeah, I became really anti-immigration. It wasn't Trump. And then the media. Yeah. I, I would just sit and watch my TV and go, well, that don't seem right. Well, that's not what they said about this guy. Then I started researching. Trump didn't tell me the media was biased. Trump tapped into hope and change on the conservative side. Media fucking hates you. It was a pretty good promotional plan, really, if you think about it. Because most conservatives are out there going, yeah, they fucking hate us. They don't even know what Waffle House is. Meet Washington's police straw cop. Obviously, there'll be some holdouts. With all the municipal governments banning the use of plastic straws, somebody has to be the guy that enforces it. Our national capital, that guy is Zach Rebarzizibuja. An inspector for the, I don't know how to say his fucking name. Uh, issuing notices, violators reports to the Anchorage Daily News. Responder described his recent patrol at D.C.'s Union Station food court where one violator, the Chinese restaurant Lotus Express, was issued a warning. Should the restaurant fail to eliminate their stash of plastic straws, they'd be fined $800. At Lotus Express, the inspector, one of the three dispatches by the city to check cafeterias, bars, and restaurants, scribbled the restaurant's name on the paper sleeve of a plastic straw and tucked it in his pocket, along with two others from Scoflaw Restaurant. He planned to later check whether they float in the water. Another telltale sign of prohibited plastic. Julia Lawson, director of D.C. Mayor Mural E. Browser's office, a clean city, told Anchorage Daily News that plastic straws will soon become a socially unaccepted as tobacco. It's pretty absurd the amount of resources we put into creating plastic material that we are using for five minutes to an hour. Single-use plastics are taking the same cultural place as tobacco where it's socially unacceptable. <clears throat> yeah, you know what? You fuckers make me grab three straws now. You're fucking, fucking fascist, man. Do you think that straw is going to kill the planet? You think that has anything to do about it? How about all the private fucking jets you fly? What do you think that does? I'm sure it's a lot worse than a fucking straw. Jessica Valentine makes our social media nugget college crazy section. Yesterday, a waitress brought over free dessert because she was a fan, and my 8-year-old said, Wow, there are good things about being a feminist. I was like, that's the most impressed thing she ever been with me. I, If I ever quit Twitter, it's not going to be because of the harassment, which I'm so used to, but because even posting something normal and human like my kid likes ice cream brings out assholes. This is such a sad place. And, of course, people gave her the same shit they gave everybody. And the whole restaurant clapped, and the waitress' name was Albert Einstein. (laughs) Mm. It's not that we don't believe you, but we fucking don't believe you. She then tweeted, 
Whoever edited the Atlanta piece, Atlantic piece on late-term abortion should be embarrassed. She thinks they should be embarrassed after reading this thread. We're pretty sure she's the one to be embarrassed. In addition to obvious errors that could have been prevented with some fact-checking, the author writes about third-trimester abortions while linking to research about abortions post-20 weeks, which is about when you get an ultrasound. They're either a very sloppy mistake or deliberate attempt to define abortion as 20 weeks as late-term. That's what most Americans do, you fucking ghoul. Most amazingly, there's no mention that the study linked to show that women seek out abortions after 20 weeks because of the limiting limitations created by Republicans and insurance and geographical access. As a mom of a 20-week, 28-week-old preemie, though, it was this I found most galling. At 24 weeks, and now even early as 21 weeks, newborn infants that survived outside the womb with the help of neonatal intensive care. You have no idea what it means to have a child that early. None! I'm sorry, these are replies and I forgot to say that. First of all, the GOP is bankrupting parents with kids in the NICU state that costs literally millions of dollars. See, there it is. It's money again. That's a reply to that. Yeah, your kid made it, but fuck you. It's a waste of money. And the incredibly complex moral decision to extend or withdraw care to preemie that young can never be made by lawmakers. The idea is vile, this complete disconnect from the reality of pregnancy, childbirth, and family tragedy, blah, blah, blah. The point is, GOP bad. Somebody replied, a woman. If you are more concerned with lawmakers and the cost of a Nick you stay while your premature baby is laying there holding on for dear life, you have no business being a parent. I hope for your sake your child never finds out how little you value their life. Then the entire world avalanched her ghoulish fucking skank ass with pictures of grown adult preemies or people sending their own picture. I was a preemie. They're that committed to killing babies. That committed. That keeping a preemie alive, well, that's just fucking stupid. Just let it die. Go make another one. It's like fast food, man. These fries suck. It has blonde hair. Fuck that kid. But it's a sickness. Ooh, yeah, that kind of sickness. Man wants to sue his parents for giving him birth without his consent. It's part of an anti-natalist movement that says having children is morally wrong. Badinga! Did I not say it? It's that climate change. Raphael Samuel, 27, is compared to having children to kidnapping and slavery. On his Facebook page, he sends anti-natalist posts to hundreds of followers. He intends to sue his parents despite having a great relationship with them. And we will cover him on our next podcast, a free-for-all section, will be on this dick cheese. Natalist. If you're having a baby, you're killing the planet. You're a piece of shit. I'm going to have a baby and then hand him a fucking box of straws just to piss people off. Actually, I can't do that because I'm fixed and my wife's fixed, so maybe we'll adopt a baby. We'll name the kid Straw. Straw, fuck the environment, read. That'll be good. Washington Post covers menstrual equality, but ignored the March for Life. In a 290-word article, the Post simply noted, following threats, town hall postponed, writer Rachel Chaos simply noted, Virginia delegate Kathy Tran, whose bill to loosen restrictions on abortion sparked outrage, served as country, and they came out there for a second. But let's talk about menstrual. That makes total sense. LGBT community outrage as John Hopkins psychiatrist says that being transgender is a mental disorder and sex changes are biologically impossible. 
Dr. Ralph R. McHugh, a former psychiatrist and chief for John Hopkins and his current distinguished service professor of psychiatry, said that transgenderism is a mental disorder that merits treatment, that sex change is biologically impossible, and that people who promote sexual reassignment surgeries are collaborating with and promoting a mental disorder. McHugh, the author of six books and at least 125 peer-reviewed medical articles, made his remarks in a recent commentary in the Wall Street Journal where he explained that transgender surgery is not the solution for people who suffer from disorder order of assumption. The notion that their maleness or femaleness is different than the nature assigned to them biologically. He also reported a new study showing that the suicide rate among transgender people who had reassignment surgery is 20 times higher than the suicide rate among non- transgender people. Dr. McHugh further noted studies from the Vanderbilt University in London's Portsmouth Clinic of Children who had expressed transgender feelings but for whom over time 70 to 80 percent spontaneously lost those feelings. While the Obama administration, Hollywood, and the major media, such as Time Magazine, promote transgenderism as normal, Dr. McHugh says policymakers in the media are doing no favor either to the public or the transgenders by treating their confusions as a right in need or defending rather than a mental disorder that deserves understanding, treatment, and prevention. Once again, those numbers are consistent. 70 to 80% go back. Those that do the surgery are more likely to commit suicide. The left will have you think it's because they're bullied. Once again, when I walk into Walmart and a dude with a dick's in a dress, I don't fucking know it's a dude with a dick with a dress. I'm trying to find something stupid that my wife needs. And I don't know where they moved it. I don't pay attention. At the most, most of us normal people out of the bubble would go that's an ugly dude or that's an ugly chick in our head but we wouldn't think that we wouldn't think to ask we don't take surveys it's all a sham they have spun abortion to be a choice they have spun suicides to be you evil people who don't like transgenders because we need that 0.7% and the other maybe 15% of the country that's obsessed with this shit, like my daughter. We need them to vote for us. So we're going to say it's you fuckers. It's not. You've chemically altered a person. Theoretically, you pour Drano in their body hormonally. It is the opposite of how they're biologically made. And you expect them just to be like walking around, good morning, good morning. No. No. There's side effects to everything. And that's the side effect. Severe depression. Because they already have a mental disease. They think they're not anything. They don't know what they are. But yet our media will push like we did last podcast. Transgenders in the military. It's their right. No. How are you going to go fight a war whether you, if you don't know whether you want to put on panties or boxers? How the fuck do you pull that off? It's a pretty busy time with bullets and shit. But I need to go get my wig because I don't feel feminine today. Get the fuck out of here. Other stupid shit. NPR. 
NPR is working on a series of stories about masculinity. We would like to hear your thoughts and feelings on the subject. Everybody hosed them. Our culture has no idea about it, and it shows. Please submit your thoughts so that we can handpick responses that fit neatly in our predictable and predetermined narrative. Masculinity is a good thing. Big fan of masculinity. I miss it. It's becoming extinct. Most of these are women, by the way. We need more of it. Men are awesome. Let's stop hating on them. It goes on and on and on and on. Here's my thought on toxic masculinity. I want to know who decides what is toxic. Is a confident man toxic? A good-looking man toxic? Someone who might need not express his feelings publicly toxic? Quite frankly, I'm sick to death of the purported label. Enough already. Get bent. Masculinity is important and being demonized. I want masculine police, firemen, soldiers. Masculine meaning strength and resilience. Talk to the military, police, EMT, firefighters, truck drivers, construction workers. Don't talk to feminists. Too many men are either absent or passive. Let me know if you need more thoughts. Agree, more men need to show up and do fatherhood with passion, courage, and resolve because you're making them, oh, you're evil. You shouldn't raise kids. You shouldn't do anything. After working 22 years in the male-dominated industry, I'm grateful for the many mentors and supporters who helped me rise among the ranks. Couldn't have done it without their belief in diversity and their physical strength along the way. That's a woman. And lastly, what on earth does NPR know about masculinity? The subject of masculinity is not exactly in your wheelhouse. We need more masculinity and less government-funded broadcast stations that are in a big bag for push for ideas of one party. NPR, you do feminism 24-7, 52 weeks of the year. But you're right. Jesus Christ. So, Smollett. I was going to go longer. I'm going to go shorter on this. Attack against Empire star Smollett was horrific, but hate crimes are on the rise across the country. Forbes. Can't prove it. None of it's true, but okay. And while they're doing all this, Muslim college student made up Trump supporter subway attack story to avoid punch and punishment for missing curfew. That was just this week. Nobody touched that shit. Nobody. Nobody wanted to see it. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody. Nobody, 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 nobody. They just ignored it. Washington Post ran another article, won't put alleged in it. It was K-Park. The actual report came out. It's pretty damning. I'll let Michelle Malkin break it down. Smollett Public admitted his rib was not broken or fractured. A fact first reported based on sources close to Smollett and spread like wildfire. Here's all the people that lied. to shitload. They then said he was like Tupac Shakur who beat people who got beaten and shot but they kicked their ass. Then, the reporter that's doing all this shit is getting killed because he won't do the narrative. Uh, Carrie Wim, as a reporter, you have the responsibility to verify the truth. You do not have the responsibility to report lies told you by someone abusing their authority. This is what is happening in Chicago. You're part of the problem. How do you know it's not true? This is Ralph Rafer Weigel. Anonymous sources in the backbone of journalism. Do we know the truth about the Mueller investigation? No. But reporters tell that inside stories are saying, I reported an officer saying he saw on tape. I stand by my reporting. DeRay McKesson, who I haven't heard from forever. That's that fucking BLM freak. 
unless you and DeRay have personally seen the surveillance video and know where what is on there and what actually happened, your criticism is unwarranted and unfair and merely based on resentment that what is being reported conflicts with your narrative. I'm not saying Smollett is lying. I'm reporting what my sources close to the investigation are telling me. You attacking me in the media because you don't like it makes you no different than the president. DeRay McKesson. In protest, hand up, don't shoot is the reappropriation of the pose of surrender and the stance of resistance. No, my criticism isn't based on resentment. I'm noting that you literally print everything that the Chicago police tell you about Jesse and have not indicated that you've done any research on your own. Just these random PD sources. The Weagle again. Because they are the ones closest to the investigation. I'm not saying anything beyond what they're telling me and what Smollett has said. Just as the White House aides leaked the executive time story. That's how anonymous sources work. Please tell me what I should be doing differently. I understand that emotions are high with this story, but quoting anonymous sources has been the backbone of journalism for years. Anyone who doesn't understand that is no different than the president who attacks the media for stories he doesn't like. I only quoted a source close to the investigation. The recent story about Trump's inauguration committee being subpoenaed was also based on anonymous close to the investigation. We, the lying liberal media, are your sources for this article. Basically, it's falling apart. And now they're pissed. They've now subpoenaed his phone records because they know he's full of shit. uh, Superintendent Eddie Johnson says Smollett is still being treated as a victim in the case, but if the investigation doesn't reveal he made a false report, he'd be held accountable. They're trying to match the rope that was around us to the point of origin to see surveillance village showing the person who bought it because they have no fucking proof of shit they just know a guy made up a story embellished the story the media ran with it and made it worse than what it was so they could do a bunch of you mega people are bad and try to Covington somebody and come to find out all, he, all we know for sure is a dude who fought back cause he's a badass held on to his cold cut combo I'm calling bull shit from overseas, millennials never recover from the hit on the financial crisis, and it means they're struggling to have families. Boo fucking who? What were some of the stats in this shit? Um, last year, a separate piece of research conducted millennials are the most anxious generation when compared to baby boomers ages between 54 and 72. And Generation Z's 38 to 53. The American Psychiatric Association conducted a survey of over 1,000 adults that found that age between 20 and 37 at the time of study were the most anxious overall. Well, could it be that the left has told them the planet's ending in 12 years? That would make me a little anxious. Or maybe it's that they were given hope and change and they got a hard dick. Suck it up, buttercup. Get out of your basement. Stop going to Democratic Underground and hashtag resistance and fucking do something. In this study, it's not also that the most gamer, they spend most of their life playing video games jerking off with a fucking game controller. I mean, seriously. Then this nugget comes in. Historians worried Hamilton isn't woke enough. Pin a response play. 
It's from Cal Berkey. It's just not, oh, I don't think it's good enough. So they're going to come up with their own, which is way more woker. I'm sure there'll be gay Hamiltons and transgenders and all sorts of shit, even though it's not historically true. But, you know, hey, hey. And then my favorite story of this whole segment, I just fucking laughed my ass off when I read this last night. PETA urges Toy Story 4 to make Bo Peep more animal friendly. Demands Disney drop the shepherd's crook. A badass Bo Peep would likely bop the shears, not the sheep. And now I'm going to dramatic read. I'm not going to put violins because we got circus music in the background. Dear Mr. Cooley, this is the actual letter from PETA. Greetings from PETA. Many of our more than 6.5 million members in a country of, what, 360? We're supposed to be scared of that? There's more NRA members, dick. But I digress. And supporters worldwide have loved Toy Story franchise since its inception. Being the first fully computer-generated feature film, it paved the way for computer animation and digital technologies to replace wild animals who would otherwise be exploited for the big screen. Wah, wah, wah. I'm contacting you today about Bo Peep's new look. Given that she was designed to have a modern look, why hasn't she lost that outdated and cruel crook? You may not know that those shepherd crooks are used solely to hook a sheep's neck and force the gentle animals to move. (laughs) So cruel. That isn't something that a progressive Bo Peep would countenance in 2019. A badass Bo Peep would likely bop the shears, not the sheep. At PETA, we're working hard to change the way in which people regard and treat animals, including sheep. Our exposés are heartbreaking and show that sheep are routinely punched, kicked, dragged, and stomped on when they're shorn by workers who are paid to work quickly remove a lot of wool in a short amount of time. As you can see here, 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 and here. Surely you can agree that a symbol of domination over any animal is a thing of the past and not something that belongs in Toy Story 4. Won't you please consider moving Bo Peep's crook from the final animation? We know the kind people everywhere would sing your praises and Bo Peep too with this change. Thanks so much for your consideration. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Best regards. Lauren Thomason, Manager, Animals and Film and Television, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Scene. What the fuck is wrong with... It's a fucking cartoon! It's not a real sheep! It's not a real Bo Peep! Bo Peep's a fictional fucking goddamn children's story! So a child's gonna see Bo Peep with their crook! And go, oh my god, the poor sheep, mommy. Or worse, this is the way Peter's pushing it. I'm going to get a crook too and I'm going to go whack some sheep. Even though there's no sheep in my burb. You fucking people. Jesus, J. Christ on a... Po- what, what do you got to say, Gunny? Say something. Back off the wine and you Thank you. That is my gunny doll that I actually bought because it's funny as hell. And it's X-rated. Um, but seriously, it's a fucking cartoon. CBS, man is recovering after he fought off and killed a mountain lion that attacked him. Now the big thing is it was a baby lion. Ooh, you killed a baby. 
a year old lion will still fuck you up. I'm sorry. You lay there and die. This was in my backyard. Man overdosed on meth and GSMNP before bears scavenged him. <clears throat> so they found a dead dude that was eaten by a bear. Everybody freaked the fuck out. This is out in Sevierville, eastern Tennessee. But then we find out the dude was hopped up on meth, which made me question, and it's nowhere in the article. Did the bear get the meth? I'm just saying bears are bad motherfuckers, but I'm thinking a bear on meth is fucking horrifying. A meth fucking bear. It's like a bath salt bear. That would just fucking just be horrible. Hawaii. Because Democrats are dick faces. Considers ban on cigarette sales. Yeah. Yeah. They want to progressively start next year by raising the minimum age to buy cigarettes from 21 to 30 and then ban the fucking shit altogether. But we're the people about choices. You fucking Republicans telling people how to live. We just ban shit. Straws, cigarettes, fucking everything. Pretty soon there'll be a tax on fun. Because Cuomo will have to fucking come up with some taxes up there in New York because he's running everybody off. Police! Woman battered her bow with a pork chop. <laughs> he was left lacerated. Florida woman is facing a domestic battery charge after allegedly clobbering her boyfriend in the face with a frozen pork chop during a dispute. Cops allege that Jennifer Brassard, 48, and her bow were engaged in a verbal argument around 9.45 p.m. when Brassard threw a frozen pork chop at the victim. Pork chop, a criminal complaint note, struck the man below the left eye causing a half-inch laceration. After getting hit with the pork chop, the vi- victim fled the couple's home. Police had arrested Broussard after determining that she had was the primary aggressor. Getting beaten with a pork chop. My better half, Gigi in Tennessee, sent me this one. Nashville man charged with identity theft. Thought he was going to get away with it, but they caught him with the wallet in his fanny pack. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so many jokes I can go off the fanny pack. Yeah, okay. And then rising ESPN star Adnan Verk fired an escort out in a leak investigation. I'm going to tell you right now, that fucking freaked me out. I watched College Football Final, love that show. And I guess he's going to try to counter Sue, but it was released the other day that they shit canned him because he gave out classified information, but he was talking about something, and nobody will say what it is. Um, but that that's pretty sad so lastly as we go out to do the state of the union after a few funny conversations um women see the horrifying realities of abortion in these study videos live action the pro-life organization founded by Leela rose has an ongoing video series in which they approach men and women who identify as pro-choice and try to change their minds this is what a woman said after seeing what the media the left, the cabal and the fucking religion of progressivism and the killing and infant side and all the shit the left's about have glossed over with fancy colloquials like a woman's right to choose. And as you could tell, they were shocked. What are your thoughts about abortion? Um... Abortion, I'd rather no one. I don't really like abortion. I'd rather it didn't exist. Um, I'm not very for abortion. 
but there are times when you do need abortion and it's up to that person and their rights and what they want to do. I didn't know that you'd have to detach and crush and the process it goes through and all the risks that happens with this. So now that I do know, um, I just, you can, there's so many other options apart from abortion and I know it sucks and like the consequences and how it happened and why you might want an abortion, but there's always other, another option and you just got to suck it up because it's a, it's a life. You mentioned before there are certain instances or certain circumstances where you would support it in cases of rape for example do you think that you change your mind on that or um so i did think that rape was like an exception for an abortion but now that you think of it some people try so hard to conceive a baby and it doesn't it's so hard and they, it doesn't happen so you can always put your child up for adoption there's always a, another option In a few minutes, the United States Senate is going to have an opportunity to condemn infanticide. 100 United States Senators are going to have an opportunity to unanimously say the most basic thing imaginable, and that is that it's wrong to kill a little newborn baby. Every Senator will have the opportunity to stand for human dignity, to stand for the belief that in this country, all of us are created equal, because if that equality means anything, Surely it means that infanticide is wrong. Frankly, this shouldn't be hard. Politicians come to this floor every single day and talk about how they care for the poorest or the weakest or the most marginalized members of our society. That's pretty moving stuff. And I want to make sure we understand. There's been a lot of pro-life stuff on my show lately, and I'm not trying to turn this into a pro-life show. It's in the news. But I want to make sure my, my stance and my position is crystal clear i am not a person that wants to ban abortion we're in a country where we don't follow any of the laws of we're progressives we get rid of the constitution on voting we ignore immigration laws i mean trying to ban abortion is the dumbest shit in the world because they're just going to do it if they're going to ignore immigration laws and do sanctuary cities they're going to do abortions Plus, there is the fact that in southern states like here, we will have women go out because, you know, the left will be promoting it and telling them to do it, and they'll do back alley stuff and get really fucked up. I did research some of that stuff, and it's not a wives' tale. It's true. I mean, people were using coat hangers, Coca-Cola. They were doing some vile shit just so they wouldn't have to have a baby. Granted, it's called birth control. It's free. You know, you're just a selfish piece of shit if you're not using birth control, the patch, a pill, an IUD, a condom. There's a million reasons I always hear that we can't use this because kids, whatever. There's a there's a way not to have a baby, and you chose not to because you look at abortion as not all, but a lot of these abortion cases are people that use abortion as birth control because they're irresponsible. So that's A. I don't want to ban it. I want it down to 22 weeks. You make the decision in 22 weeks. Health of the mother. Exceptions. 
Always. But the argument of rape and incest is a fucking joke. If you were raped and incest, then you have an abortion. You have 22 weeks. That's a long time. 22 weeks. Make that decision. And then I forever say, no institution that is doing abortions should get federal money. You don't send money to the NRA. Nobody does that. And people are out there going, well, this is women. No, it's not women's health. PPFA is the premier, that is the gold standard in killing babies. And they use our money for chemical abortion because Obama approved it. So they're handing out 600,000 morning after pills that a majority of Americans look at as an abortion. Compromise. You give that money to other health clinics. And my stances are not extreme. I am the norm in America. I am the righteous one in America who want abortion to be legal, want it to be restricted, and do not want it federally funded. That's normal. That's not sexist. That's not white nationalist. That's not racist. Nowhere in there they say, well, those black bitches, they got to have their baby. Because that's the only way I guess you could call this racist by not wanting abortion. Because they're the ones that come up with people of color. Uh, so you basically you're saying is all black people have no morals and they just abort their babies. I, you're a fucking racist if you say that shit. I'm not the racist. Said it on the show. PPFA has a shitload of fucking abortion clinics in black communities. What does that say? You want to take every word the president says and every word every conservative says and you want to just say it's racist because it doesn't conform to your ideology. That's pretty fucking racist that it just happens to be a lot of PPFA clinics are in African-American and people of color communities. Is that by happenstance? Knowing that Margaret Singer was for eugenics and limiting black birth. That's a fact. So Ben Sass tried to do something about this. In this country, all of us are created equal. That equality means anything. Surely it means that infanticide is wrong. Frankly, this shouldn't be hard. And this was his comments on the floor. In a few minutes, the United States Senate is going to have an opportunity to condemn infanticide. 100 United States senators are going to have an opportunity to unanimously say the most basic thing imaginable, and that is that it's wrong to kill a little newborn baby. Every senator will have the opportunity to stand for human dignity, to stand for the belief that in this country all of us are created equal, because if that equality means anything, Surely it means that infanticide is wrong. Frankly, this shouldn't be hard. Politicians come to this floor every single day and talk about how they care for the poorest or the weakest or the most marginalized members of our society. Alexander DeSantis 
I think she's from the National Review. She live-tweeted during this. I'm reporting on the Born Alive Abortion Survivor Protection Act soon when Ben Sass calls for unanimous consent on the floor tonight. Dems are expected to oppose on frivolous grounds, but keep your eyes on the space for more, as they say. Sass is on the floor teeing it up right now, saying once again he'll be given all 100 senators a chance to vote against infanticide. Frankly, this shouldn't be hard, he says. Now Sass is quoting from Northern's interview. He was literally talking about allowing the space and time for discussion infanticide. No euphemisms there. We are actually talking about babies that have been born. The only debate on the floor tonight is about infanticide. This is about fourth trimester abortion. Everyone in the Senate ought to be able to say that a little baby deserves life, that she has rights, and that killing her is wrong. He says understands that some of the Democratic colleagues are prepared to object and humbly ask that they reconsider Democratic Senator Patty Murray has objected to Senator Sass' Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act on the floor saying there is already laws in the books preventing infanticide. Read my piece in NRO today for more on why this isn't accurate. Several GOP senators co-sponsoring legislation are now going to speak on the Senate floor. I'll post some highlights. Joni Erst. Somehow this conversation has devolved so completely that a bill prohibiting the murder of children who are born alive, a bill that simply prohibits infanticides, has tonight been blocked on the floor of the Senate. Holly from Missouri, it's hard to fathom the extremism of politicians in New York and now Virginia who would deny the protections of law to the most vulnerable members of our society, the innocent unborn, even up to birth. Is this really the extremism of the Democratic Party? Oh, by the way, here's what Patty Murray, who just objected to Sass's abortion bill on behalf of Senate Dems, had to say about children and American values last summer. Her tweet. Right now, parents across the country are looking at their own children and their own grandchildren and putting themselves in the shoes of our fellow humans and asking, is this who we truly are as a nation? Are these our American values? Because they'll talk about babies and children and values when it's somebody that isn't an American. But if it's an American baby, fuck that piece of shit. Kill it. Hockley, Missouri. Some are tempted when they see this rising tide of barbarism and cruelty to feel despair, but I'm not. We must press forward in this generation for our revolutionary faith. Holly is the youngest sitting senator. Lankford notes that the Senate gives unanimous consent to congratulate sports team, but not for SAS Bill. The New England Patriots is non-controversial, but the death of children, the delivery, controversial enough that my Democratic colleagues are blocking it. There are only four countries in the world that allow late-term abortions. North Korea, China, Vietnam, and the United States. The New York legislation stood and cheered that they're in the human rights-deprived nations of North Korea, China, and Vietnam. I keep on wanting to say North Carolina. This is not about pro-life or pro-choice. It's about pro-humanity. To get to the point that we're discussing whether a child lives or dies at birth, and if they don't quite look right, then we'll take that life, is inhumane and beneath us. How can this be a discussion we're having on the Senate floor? It used to be my Democratic colleague said life begins at birth. Now, apparently, it's not at life anymore. Now it's unknown when life begins because it's discussion now at birth. Senator Braun when something like this occurs in this chamber, when it's crystallized so simply and you're either for or against infanticide, I never imagined I'd be seeing this so early in my tenure here. This is tra- a tragedy. They're done on the floor tonight. I'll report with some details on this at NRO. Here it is, folks. My quick wrap-up. Blah, 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 blah. Mickey Dub. The culture is lost that we're even discussing this. Time to repent. 
Washington Examiner. Democrats block Senate bill requiring medical care for babies. Lone Dem Senator blocks bill banning infanticide for babies. Patty Murray lying and saying that there's already rules. No, there's not. Because New York and Virginia just passed ones that are worse. Brett Hume. They claim this bill bans nothing not already banned. That would make it harmless. So why did they block it? And then somebody said what they knew what this was all about. The GOP got exactly what it wanted. Dems on the record that they support infant side. The problem with that, <clears throat> the media didn't even cover it. When the Democrats used to filibuster or do things like this, how brave they are. They're, they're the forward-facing America. The media ignored this. And here's Pelosi. challenge is there, both to respond positively, but not to respond negatively. And I can't find it in the Bible, but I, use, I quote it all the time, and I keep reading and reading the Bible. I know it's there someplace. It's supposed to be in Isaiah. But I heard Bishop say, um, to minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. To ignore those needs is to dishonor the God who made us. It's there somewhere in some words or another, but certainly the spirit of it is there and that we all have a responsibility to act upon our beliefs and the dignity and worth of every person. Now, of course, I, I've worked with some of you in this room of, over time on the immigration issue and the evangel- That's not in the Bible. That doesn't exist. And whatever lefties do, I just want to bring out how low their numbers are on... Well, let's just go to one stat. Self-identified atheists tend to be aligned with the Democrats. Two-thirds of atheists, 69%, identify as Democrat or lean left. And a majority, 56%, call themselves politically liberal. Politically liberal. That, that's just horseshit. Horseshit. You're going to make up a quote out of the Bible while you're talking about murdering babies? And then she segues right into border. Their retort to infanticide is the border. Will you put people in cages? Well, Obama did. It doesn't matter. Trump's worse. Totally two different things. Separating families and getting illegals into detention facilities, decide what we're going to do with them because they illegally entered the country and letting a baby die after it's been born. Yeah, seriously. So, we go into the State of the Union before we do our funny. Here is just a taste of what the media said. Tonight, President Trump and the State of the Union, a speech delayed by the longest government shutdown in American history. And under the shadow of another possible shutdown over the president's demand for a border wall. An extraordinary moment for our country, an ongoing investigation, a growing list of former aides indicted, and a defiant president. Newly empowered Democrats mounting a challenge in Congress and looking ahead to the next election in 2020. 
and the State of the Union Address itself becoming a stage for America's deep political divide. Well, Lester, uh, we saw several uh, Republican members of the House, the top supporters of President Trump, uh, whooping out loud and shaking their fists as the president walked in the door. Some of them had waited for literally hours. Now you can hear the Republican side of the chamber uh, cheering for this president. Uh, if you can see the Democratic side, though, those women in white, uh, the vast majority of them seem to have their hands at their sides. And I think that tells you a lot about the state of our politics. The White House has talked a lot today about how this speech was going to be oriented towards comedy and unity and pulling things together. But the reality is that that is, is a very, very difficult bridge to cross for this president right now, given uh, the events of the last few weeks that are still uh, you know, very raw for a lot of these members of Congress who were dealing with a government shutdown, but also, of course, in the last two years. And don't forget, of course, he is looking out uh, at people who are about to potentially make his life and the Mueller investigation much more difficult for him. This is an ABC News special. We have reached a deal to end the shutdown and reopen the federal government. But the clock is ticking to another shutdown. I expect that both Democrats and Republicans will operate in good faith. The country and the Congress have never been more divided. This is an opportunity for all parties to work together for the benefit of our whole beautiful, wonderful nation. Tonight, the speech that almost didn't happen. We're building the wall. It's getting built one way or the other. Live from the nation's capital, the State of the Union Address and the Democratic Response. Now reporting, George Stephanopoulos. That, that chunk about illegal immigration was so directed to the people who elected him, it was powerful. And then added a little soup son of neocon in there, uh, the, the Iranian thing, the Venezuelan thing. And then tying Bernie Sanders to Venezuela, to his version, his version of socialism is, of course, Northern Europe. It's Denmark. He said, no, no, your version of socialism is Venezuela. And that's, it was pretty strong right-wing stuff. Graphic language on abortion, uh, that which was is powerful. kind of a first for a national speech in my time. Congresswoman, thank you. Uh, congratulations, by the way. We've never met, but congratulations on your upset victory in the primary. Uh, what did you make of the president's, I thought, pretty uh, aggressive statement about Venezuela tonight? And he talked yeah. about being a socialist country and how we're never going to be a socialist country. It was pretty truculent, but it tied the notion of socialism to that particular regime, how you, what do you think about the president, why he did that? I always find it disturbing, though, Stephen, when he talks about the, the wall. and the, You would think that there are marauding immigrants and migrant workers who are coming in this country who are going to murder us while we're sleeping in our beds. I was at Texas at the border, and when you see these people and you talk to these people, just think what it's like you have to leave your own country to come to a country where you're not welcomed, but you still think that it's better to be here than there. They're fleeing for their lives. They're trying to support their families. They're trying to really save their lives. I met a woman whose daughter had been raped several times, and she said, I've got to go. Another guy who was a member of a gang he didn't want to be, and his father had bought him. You know, you're separating these children from their parents. These people are coming because they want a better life. They're just trying to live. If it's Tuesday, Comedy Central. Good evening, I'm Chuck Todd here in New York, and welcome to MTP Daily. Millions of people are going to watch tonight's State of the Union. 
which is shaping up to be a night of absurdist theater. Absurd because the White House says the president's address is going to be about bipartisanship, unity, compromise. They say it's going to be a night of comity, with a T. They really use that word. Absurd because literally, as the White House is telling reporters about how the president is going to rise above partisanship tonight, the president is tweeting about a human wall. Then he mocks Chuck Schumer. And of course, Festivus begins and he airs grievances about the midterms. Absurd because tonight's address was delayed because of an act of overt partisanship when the president himself decided to engineer a 35-day government shutdown over a border wall that he promised to his political base. Absurd because the backdrop of tonight's address is his threat to uh, end-run Congress and declare a national emergency, which is dividing Republicans. We'll have more on that in a moment. The White House also says President Trump is going to call on Congress to reject the politics of resistance and retribution tonight. Well, that's a bit absurd because, well, have you been paying attention for the last two years, four years, six years? You get my drift. Absurd because Nancy Pelosi will be seated behind him tonight. A constant reminder of his failed midterm message that Pelosi was leading a party of crime-abetting arsonists. And absurd because the president is seemingly going to act like everything is normal. Despite a cracked-up cabinet, despite his ongoing feud with the intel community, countless investigations into him, his staff, his campaign, his business, and even now his inauguration. So the White House says it's going to be a, quote, traditional State of the Union. How's that for comedy with a T? Just a couple of things. One, back to the Stacey Abrams speech. That's a very difficult job. Uh, that's the best response, Democrat or Republican, mm -hmm. I can remember in yeah. some years. It's a very difficult job. It's a thankless job. Uh, but also you learn about the differences between the two parties. She talked about voting rights. She talked about climate change. And she talked about guns. We did not hear any of those Done. subjects from the President of the United States. Democrats believe that animates their coalition. They believe it helps them. And they believe, especially on the issue of climate change, uh, especially on the issue of voting rights, it helps them to talk about things the President won't talk about. Um, you can shrug all you want. I mean, there's not, they're not, the, the Republicans yeah. don't support any of those things. Why would you talk about Well, all Americans should want our we President. Whatever the disagreements rights. are, uh, just look at his own National Security Review. Uh, every leader, whatever your party, should be talking about climate change. It's just, well, you well, could have a debate about what to do about it. But he's the, that the President of the United States at this moment in the world did not mention climate change in even a sentence is just frankly a disgrace. I, Any President, Democrat or Republican. More, so you know, uh, but back to, the pre back to the President and what the Governor was just saying. So I'm just I, saying that if you look at what the President, the concrete proposals he put forward, there is not a lot of conservative, there's a lot of outreach to anti-Pelosi Democrats. I see it very, very differently. I, I, I saw this as a as a psychotically incoherent speech with cookies and dog poop. He, he tries to put together in the same speech these warm, uh, uh, kind things about hum humanitarianism and caring about children. At the same time, he is demonizing uh, 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 people who are immigrants in a way that was appalling. Demonizing child no, no, trafficking. No, no, hold on a second. Hold on a second. There were people in that gallery who were children who had been torn away from their mothers at the border. He did not mention them. There were soldiers who were transgender who had been thrown out of the military. He didn't mention them. There, were, there, are, uh, there are people who, he, who, there are veterans. He's talking about veterans. There are veterans who he has thrown out of this country who are dreamers. He did not mention them. And he, got, he didn't say one positive thing. There are, listen. If you, want, if you want to talk about the people he could have mentioned... So he's not mentioning no, no, is, is a bad speech? And, and what he did, he's no, supposed no, to mention no, everybody listen, you want listen, him to mention? No, no, listen. When, if you're going to talk about immigration, you're going to talk about undocumented people, then talk and about... make his case. No, no, hold on a second. And talk, then talk about the one who drowned saving people in Houston okay. after the storm.
talk about the people, the, the people who have given their lives to this country. You, uh, you guys see this very differently. You're looking at it from the right. point of view of. Let me. The, I, 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 and I got. I got to just toss the wolf. Very interesting, Chuck. That he did actually mention the Russia investigation, yeah, not by name, nope. but he did talk about investigations and how uh, an investigation that goes on was ultimately contrary to the work of the American people. He was trying to do, which is something I remember in the Bill Clinton era, Nixon did it at one of his State of the Unions to try to make the investigation seem like they're getting away of the agenda and, and you don't want that. It seemed and to suggest it was almost un-American. That, that he was going there. That That's right, that it was going to stand in the way on that front. But boy, this speech was, if they're the only coherent like a moment when I say coherent, meaning where there was a thematic push where you felt like they had a point to make was on immigration and the standoff with Congress. Everything else felt like it was all meant to be just additive to the basic point that he wanted to make about his wall and immigration. Like that was the most well thought out part of the speech and well argued part of the speech. I may not agree with it. Everything else felt like additive to just stay focused. We've been listening to Stacey Abrams, who, of course, came very close to winning the Georgia governor's race, but did not. She's a Democrat. She was the minority leader of the Georgia House for some time. And that is not an easy thing to do. There are lots and lots of tales of people who've done the opposition party's response, and it's not gone so well for she their She didn't careers. take the president on directly, but it was clear who she was talking she to. She had 10 minutes. One thing she didn't do is let the Republicans get away with the shutdown. That was something that was not mentioned whatsoever during the State of the Union, but she let them have it. She did. She scolded the president. She said that it was a stunt. It was a stunt engineered by the president of the United States. She said making their livelihoods a pawn for political games is a disgrace. That was a really important statement, a very effective speaker, and also denouncing voter fraud. She says that is real and racism. This was a strong speech, but also at the end saying we don't want the president to fail. We want him to succeed, but we want him to tell the truth. I thought that she had a, a lot of strong points there. Nicole Wallace, I have a fear that I hope we laugh about after this is over, that I hope is unfounded, that this chamber is primed for some sort of disruption. Uh, largely because this is the most kind of uh, celebrated uh, freshman class in a long time. Yeah. There are a lot of new faces. Um, some people may view this as call and response format, as question time. But um, those of us who are old enough remember you lie and how that made us feel about decorum in our process. Well, I, I look, I think one of the differences is a lot of people feel that the disruption is babies in cages at the border. The disruption is a president that is attacking. His own justice. I mean, a lot of people think the disruption has already taken place. So whatever happens right. in the course of giving this speech is deserved and has been earned by the most disruptive president. I agree with everything you said, and, and, and I think that this president walks in there and may as well deliver the speech on his knees, because that is where he is politically. And to tie it in to the abortion really well, the left didn't stand up for this line by the President of the United States. No greater contrast to the beautiful image of a mother holding her infant child than the chilling displays our nation saw in recent days. Lawmakers in New York cheered with delight upon the passage of legislation that would allow a baby to be ripped from the mother's womb moments from birth. These are living, feeling, beautiful babies 
who will never get the chance to share their love and their dreams with the world. And then we had the case of the governor of Virginia, where he stated he would execute a baby after birth to defend the dignity of every person I am asking Congress to pass legislation to prohibit the late-term abortion of children who can feel pain in a mother's womb. They are extremists, and so are their followers. State of the Unhinged Celebs is fury over pro-life State of the Union by stock and coat hangers. During President Donald Trump's State of the Union, he dedicated a few moments to Cuomo and Northam for his blatant endorsement of late-term abortion and infanticide while asserting that all children born or unborn are made in the holy image of God. For many Americans, this is one of the best things Trump ever said, but for some leftist celebrity women, it was about the most disturbing statement they could imagine. Fictional witch, and perhaps real-life one, Bette Midler, had one of the worst responses of the night. She didn't counter the president's pro-life message with any weak progressive talking points. She just doubled down with the barbaric notion of grabbing that trusty coat hanger. She tweeted, buy stock and coat hangers, here we go, 60 years, back-to-back alleys. Alyssa Milano has been tweeting like a nut all night, turned up the melodrama with her tweet response to her saving a nine-month-old baby from an abortionist tool as some kind of government tyranny. She tweeted that Trump and his minions in the GOP want to take away the most fundamental freedom women have, the freedom over their own bodies. Catch the colloquial? That's your fundamental freedom, killing a baby. That's how extreme they are. She added, government doesn't get any bigger than when it is in a uterus. Nobody's banning abortion. We're saying infanticide. But that's how extreme. Daily Show, Liz Wezhead, lies, 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 lies. She also blasted Senator Joe Manchin, who applauded Trump's pro-life stance, tweeting that Manchin standing up for the oppression of women. We're oppressing women because we don't let them kill babies that are born. Okay. Okay, Mia Farrow equated the plight of criminal illegal immigrants being detained to the murder of fully developed babies. What did I just say? This is how they do it. And POTUS lets us not rip children from their mother's arms, separate families, sometimes permanently at the border. Gun control mascot Emma Gonzalez talking about taking away a woman's right to choose, but all I can ask myself is what about the children in the cages at the border? Cecil Richard said uh, she posted a bunch of tweets calling the president's words false and offensive to those who face pregnancy complications. The people spreading this misinformation have one motive in mind, to ban safe, legal abortion altogether. No. Miss Richards weren't spreading the truth about how unsafe legal abortion is for infants, but keep tweeting. Madison Morrison, the weird smirk on Schumer's face while Trump talks about late-term abortion is so creepy. The fact that Schumer can sit with a deviant smirk on his face while Trump talks about late-term abortion being legalized in his home state is disgusting. Schumer contemplating Democrats' recent legalization of both post-birth abortion, and they show the picture. It's just fucking creepy. Then he brought up socialism will never be socialism. Benny, 
Trump brings up socialism. I look immediately AOC, but watch the reaction closely all night. Trump says America will never be socialist country. AOC gets a massive grin on her face. It stays there for Trump's entire comments on socialism. She just smiles at Trump. Bloomberg politics. Trump gets standing ovation when he says that no one has benefited more than our thriving economy than women. You weren't supposed to do that, he says, because that's the only time they stood up. The fucking losers got up there and wore white. White. They said the color is symbolic of suffrages, unless it's not. According to Louis Frank, chair of the Democratic, I know there's debate about whether the suffragists really wore white. Well, then going totally symbolic gesture, accuracy is really not all that important. Continually, this is really going to be sending a message, especially to all the women and their families in the country that puts us in the majority of all these new women members. That's a big part of our agenda is going to be promoting the economic security of women and their families. White dresses, that will be doing that. But wait. Roll Call stated they wore white at the 2017 State of the Union for a different reason. At that time, they were trying to stand up for women's rights and make concerns that new administration would trample them. There's been no trampling, but I guess they're still doing it. A.C. Wheeler brings up the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen during a State of the Union. Sands, you lie. But it's on the same level. Honest question, what is Pelosi doing back there? She seems to want to intentionally be seen reading and not paying attention. She sits down late when she stands at all. Wouldn't be surprised to see her whip out her cell phone and start texting while eyeing the camera. Pelosi's poker face broke when he started saying investigations are bad for America, then stated, started just reading some papers instead of pretending to listen. Seems she gives hand signals to Dems on how to react. Have you noticed how Pelosi keeps holding up holding the text of the speech and reading along. She takes her time setting it aside, then stands to applaud, even for universally acceptable lines. She comes across petty and juvenile, which is Trump's superpower. (laughs) That's true. Charlie Kirk. Live shot of Democrats when real Donald Trump announces lowest ever black, Hispanic, and Asian unemployment. They hate seeing America do well. They want to see Americans suffer, just so they can attain power. This is so wrong. They wouldn't stand up. The foo. How can you harpies not clap when unemployment for minorities and people with developmental disabilities at an all-time low? They don't care. Razor. Immigrants have come here legally. Only half the room stands in applause. This is the position that every elected Democrat held until 2009. It's true. That used to be the position, and their position on abortion used to be safe, legal, and infrequent. That's no more. Ellis on the beach. CNN's own poll. Instapoll. poll. 59% very positive, 17 somewhat positive, negative 23 Overall, 76 view this speech positively. This is the highest number of any instant poll they've ever done on his speeches. Not one flag pin was on any of the Democrats. And CBS's poll approved speech. Republicans, 97. Democrats, 30, which is pretty telling for the Democrats. 
But the most damning thing, and we'll go in depth next podcast, 82% of independents approved of the speech. But as you heard on my soundbite going in, you couldn't tell that with the Chuck Todds of the world. And then when their polls broke, you couldn't tell it from whether they talked about their poll, their own fucking polls. They didn't like that result. Yes, news uh, instant poll here following the president's State of the Union. 76% of speech watchers said they approved of what they heard. 72% said they approved of the president's ideas for immigration. Please, those who watch, this is our first look at a brand new instant poll, but it is among speech watchers. So I just want to stress here that, that for a State of the Union address, the president's partisans, his supporters, tend to turn out to watch the speech. This is true of a president of either party. So tonight we saw a heavily Republican skewed audience turn out to watch the president's speech. But look at this, a very positive reaction from those who watched the speech tonight. 59% very positive, 17% somewhat positive, 23% negative. I want you to see that very positive number, how that compares to Donald Trump's performances in the last couple of years when he's given a speech to a joint session of Congress like this. You'll see that he was, again, tonight at 59%. He was down at 48% very positive a year ago. Back when he first started the job and he addressed the Congress, he was at 57%. So he's back up. This is a, this is a speech watching audience that was more receptive this year than last year to what they saw. But here's the rub. Even this very favorable audience to Donald Trump does not believe his call for bipartisanship is going to meet with success. Take a look. Will Donald Trump increase bipartisan cooperation? A majority of speech watchers, again, a heavily Republican audience, 53% say no. 39% say yes. So all that talk of bipartisanship seems to be uh, being met by with the people who watch the speech by a healthy dose of skepticism. When in your life have you ever heard an Obama speech, a Clinton speech, a Hillary speech, a Warren speech, a Harris speech? Well, let's frame this. These are just Democrats. That's never done. The poll didn't come out the way they wanted it. NBC didn't even publish one. ABC didn't either. Because there's two truths in there. People want border security. They don't want ICE abolished. And they don't want open borders. And people don't believe you should be able to kill a baby after it's born. You can say it's semantics all you want, media. That's what Northam said. It's no different than Covington. People believe what they see and hear, not what you're feeding them. But more on this next podcast. We're going to end on a happy note. This is funny as shit, and it goes well with this podcast. The guy's name is, uh, let me flip back to the section. Sorry, I'm kind of fucked up here. I put this at the end, but went straight into it. Um, His name is Aussie Man Reviews. He's on Twitter, and this is what he says arguing on the internet is. Because we're not a video-based show, I wish we were sometimes, it's two corkies arguing with each other as they're playing with their toys. Just hilarious. He timed this with every bark, growl. It's just, I literally cried laughing. Um, and our other lighter fare today was uh, Poshmark. Get up to 90% off today only. Sharp our closest clear-out sale, or closet clear-out sale. Sorry. Dark Side FM Swimwear. Literally below the vagina. 
Um, they have a, they have to put this bathing suit on a mannequin because I don't know how you'd cover the vagina lips with this thing. I mean, it's literally the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Uh, strippers don't wear this because they leave a little bit for the imagination. And I wanted to get that in somehow, but I couldn't figure out. I was going to put it in tweet of the day and I didn't because it's the most absurd thing ever. I saw it on Twitter. Somebody said, wow, how do you wear this? And I captured it. So our lighter, fair soundbite, here's Aussie Man Review. And it pretty much sums up the last month of Twitter in a nutshell. Oi, what did you just type on the internet about climate change? I said it's a load of shit. Oh, you know what else is a load of shit? What? Your face. My face? Your face is a load of shit. Nah, that's what. Nah, fuck you. Ah, nah, fuck you. Nah, fuck you. You're wrong. Ah, you're wrong. Oh, you're wrong, huh? Educate yourself. You educate yourself. You educate yourself. You don't even have a source. I have sources. Oh, where's your source? Where's the link? I'll send you a link. Send it then. I'll send you a link. Send me the fucking link. Oh, what did you just say about immigration? Lots of things. You got some opinions on immigration? Yeah, I got opinions. I think we should let some immigrants in. No, I don't think we should fucking let anyone in. Well, let's fucking agree to disagree. I'm going to play with my toy. I'm going to play with my toy as well. Whatever, I can't hear you. You're blocked. You're blocked. I blocked you first. No, I blocked you first. No, I blocked you first, you you motherfucker. You didn't block me, fuck you. I blocked you first. Ah, whatever. You got triggered. Well, not really. No, you're triggered. No, I don't think you're triggered. you're a lefty liberal snowflake cuck. Oh, you're alt-right fucking motherfucker. You want to try and tell me about vaccinations? I'll tell you about fucking vaccinations. Fuck your face. Herd immunity. Fuck your face. Herd immunity. Fuck you. Nah, nah, fuck you. Fuck your face. Fuck your face. I'm going. I'm going. I've got things to do. I've got things to do as well. No, I do. I've got a job. I've got a job. I've got a family. Nice profile picture. I bet you don't. Nice profile picture. You don't. I don't have a family. I can't stick around all day because of overpopulation. We don't agree. No, we don't agree. We don't agree. We don't agree. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're probably a cyclist. You're a cyclist. I reckon you're a vegan. Oh, I think you're a vegan. You're a vegan. You're a triggered feminist. Shit, I'm late for work. That is some funny, funny shit. Just funny shit that I totally needed to end this really bad podcast. I have a sound effect I'll be playing at the end of this before the music goes in. It pretty much sums up how the left and the media have just pushed my button over and over. And it'll be from Gunny Hartman, his action figure, the X-rated version. It pretty much sums up how pathetic... Our politics have, our media have been, and our morals are just fucked up. And I hate saying that because I'm 51. You say that when you're 70. But our morals are so twisted. Popular culture, media, Democrats, that's the cool kids. Just twisted. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments or suggestions for segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP podcast at gmail.com get this show on soundcloud podcast addict tune in radio google play itunes blueberry and stitcher our next podcast shall be the 10th right yeah sunday the 10th yeah we're gonna do a free-for-all segment um deep dive on state of the union nick sandman's attorney got the soundbite gonna play it gonna talk about that i don't think anything's gonna happen and any other fallout that's kind of come on this, plus uh, 
couple fun subjects. I want to pick a few things just to talk about uh, to try to take us off the depressing portion of our politics. Until then, have a safe week. A lot of bad storms down where I'm living and then a temperature drop that usually leads to tornadoes of uh, 72 to 34 the next day. Yeah, that that can't turn out good. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Spend your time with your family. It's a short ride. And as stated, I'm going to close out with what I think about everything we just talked about because they done pushed my button. Talk to you Sunday. And as always, thanks for listening and take care. Put up the slimy little pantyhose wearing shit, prickle talk, fudge packing, communist bingo prick who just fucked with my button again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Yeah.